You are about to opt in to Mineratopia, a show for the Monero community where all are welcome to join. From noob to maxi, no matter what bags you hold. Just sit back and relax to the sweet sounds of Monero's latest progress. Or if you're feeling inspired, join us on stage. Remember, the only thing that can stop Monero is a false belief that it can be stopped. And if you want to win the revolution faster, we recommend you remove your XMR from all custodial exchanges immediately. Warning, boating accidents are common around here. Don't forget to properly secure your private keys. Monerotopia starts now. Alright. Hello, hello. How do you do? Oh. Uh- <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Another hectic morning. Cheers. And even more than usual because I got to be dealing with uh, a crippled over here. He's got hopping one, over. One leg, guys, but I can't be stopped. No. Look at the, the crutches in the back <laughs> where you can't really see them. <laughs> On some he- heavy painkillers. So if he says even more crazier things than he usually <laughs> does, it's really all the drugs he's on. I have an excuse. You have an excuse now to go on a <laughs> the even drugs. crazier rant. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony F says, hey, Doug. Hey, Anthony. What's going on? And also everyone else. Vadik, I don't want to put your name. Guys, uh, just, just, if you can, just tweet things out, share them. Let's see. Let's get, let's get the word out. Let's get the word out. I'm doing that right now. Yeah. Just send in a tweet. Yeah, I sent it. I sent it. I sent out a tweet. So it's uh, our hundredth episode anniversary. Yes, happy hundredth episode! Wow, we've lasted this long. (laughs) In addition to the Monero talk ones, I don't even know what we're up to with that one. It's longer than our our marriage. Yeah, there you go. Let's Let's, see. Let's see which lasts longer. Uh, I I think the show probably. Yeah, we're almost gonna be a year. Yeah. Whoa. You, yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm just saying. Like, wow. Time flies. Cheers to that. Cheerios. Well, that's in in March, guys. I'll probably yeah. be talking about that soon enough. But right now, we're talking about the hundredth episode. Hundredth episode of Monerotopia. Of Monerotopia. Monero, Monero talk we've done. Yeah, that's what I said. I have to count them. Thousands of episodes. No, we've okay. done like what, like four hundred, probably. I guess. Well, no, probably like two hundred and. 50, 300 maybe? Yeah, know. something like that. I mean, we've been doing them for, for many years. We're yeah. doing one, one a week. One a week. 52 weeks in a year. Yeah, but we doing didn't start like off years. with like once every week. I think we started it out. Well, there was another person. That no, was it's pretty much always doing it once a week. Yeah. I think from the beginning, yeah. Of course you were. Why did I doubt that? Yeah. <laughs> 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 You probably we've, even did we've it come a long way. Recording. We've come a long way. We haven't come a long way. Like both at the same time. No, we've obviously going. gotten a lot better than we were. But I we mean, still, it's tough. It's the two of us. Still a long we way. We have like a thousand projects that we're working on. Yeah. So you should stop being so hard on yourself. It's not like we're focused. Oh, no. It would be one thing if we were just doing one show and we just royally fuck up all the time. But it's like we're juggling a lot. I know. I know. So considering we, it's we, all still standing, we make it challenging and still. Yeah, well, some more than others. We do it live. We stream it. We do conferences. What else? <laughs> we go to conferences. Conferences coming along nicely. Yes, it is. Yes, I got my Mallorca blockchain t-shirt on. They sent us t-shirts. Yeah, yeah. And their, uh, their magazine, which is very nice. 
We didn't get to go to their conference this year. It was in Mallorca, Spain in July, right? In July, yes. July. We didn't get to go. They wanted us to go. We were invited. Um, for, right? And that was like the one conference you wanted to go to. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Out of all, like, I mean, I love going to all of them. Don't get me wrong, but this was in Mallorca. Like, I, I, I love Spain. We went so. to Freedom Fest. But of course, Doug decided to tell us, he's like, don't worry. Let's go to Las Vegas. Well, cause we were asked Las to Vegas be a speaker fun too. at Freedom Fest. I mean, Fest, it was fun. We had like a blast big, there too. Big but. stage. We thought it would help get the word out for Monero. And I it's think it did, Monero. but you know, I wish we went to Mallorca. That's but maybe this year. They're asking us to go again this year, although we have a lot of things. We have 800,000 trips, too. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Doug may be going. <laughs> I don't know. He'll be off. hopping there. <laughs> I have to take off from work because of the, the leg, so I don't really have too many, too many days <laughs> left. And he's also um, on one leg. But, but yeah, know. so we obviously we have Monerotopia in May, and then we have Monerocon in is it June or July? June, June, June. In yeah, June. in Prague. That's going to be fun. In Prague. Uh, and then, yeah, maybe we'll go to this Mallorca thing. This was, this like, uh, my understanding is like a really cool, hardcore crew of cypherpunks at the Mallorca one. Like, privacy enthusiasts. More Bitcoin than Monero, but, uh, very open to Monero. They, they invited a lot of Monero people last year. Um, yeah, what else? What do we got to say about the conference? Guys, buy your tickets. Buy your tickets today. Buy your tickets. Cause we are, we're going to be raising them and, uh, we will raise them after today. To and show. so the early bird will be officially over after today. So it's going to be, I think we have them at $89 for general admission and $189 for VIP. So we're yep. going to bump it up to $99 for general admission and $199 for VIP. That will be the final price. Early bird is over. Dun, dun, dun. Early bird after this episode airs. Um, but what we have done is we added a third ticket option. And we'll get into that later this show. And that third ticket option only costs twenty five dollars. <gasps> what? How do you how do we do it? How well, do we, do we it? don't know. <laughs> we just we lose money. We're not very business savvy. Uh, the reason we added that, that's for locals. So for people that live locally in Mexico, or we could say even just, you know, in Latin America, right? Anybody that's like local to the region, um, that wants to come to the conference, we're offering a special price because we want to get the local community involved. Um, so we're asking, you know, if you're not local, please don't buy that ticket, you know, uh, well, if for some reason, we're, like we're going to be checking somehow. At the well, door, we're, we're so. going to ask you to sing don't be, the, don't the, be Mexican, that person. the Mexican national anthem at the door to prove yeah. that you're. <laughs> well, you're telling them in advance. <laughs> you yeah. start learning it during the dance. <laughs> uh, I mean, if somebody really wants to go to those efforts <laughs> and sing it perfectly on stage. On stage, yeah. That's what we're going to do. Yeah, definitely. There will be some tests to prove your, your yeah, local, yeah. uh. <laughs> so please don't be that person where, you know. But the idea is we want to encourage. Lying. Don't be a liar. Yeah, yeah. Help, help put, buy the regular ticket and, uh, you know, that's going towards covering our costs of the conference and allowing us to give away these very reasonably priced tickets. Um, because we want to get locals involved. We want to spread Monero, right? We don't want this just to be for the, you know, the 200 people that already love Monero, that are already hardcore Monero enthusiasts, we want to bring in new people as well. So that's what this is for, especially locals. Um, 
and we're gearing some of the things at the conference toward locals. And we'll be asking, you know, some of the people at the conference to help us out with onboarding locals, getting them using Monero, sending them the first Monero transaction. So that's what that's all about. We'll talk about it later in the show because we have somebody who's going to be helping us out with that that lives in Mexico City from the Decred community, actually. Uh, that's going to help us get the word out on the conference to the locals so we can get, uh, you know, a big crowd over there. Um, I say that's it. I mean, we're yeah, at, we obviously, also, we're adding new speakers we all the time. Well, we also have, yeah, we have an, uh, uh, our performers. We have Riot, who's on board now. He's going to be helping us. Uh, Riot's going to be music. DJing. Yeah. If, there's, you, know, if you went to the last one, you know how much fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was. Good. He was awesome. He DJed all day long. He was a trooper. Great job. Um, and awesome too. He's so. living in a van somewhere yeah, in I think, New cool. Zealand. He's, I think New Zealand. Yeah. yeah he's uh, a, a cool dude. Very and cool dude. We're, we're very excited to have him on board. So he'll be performing, uh, throughout the weekend. Um, obviously we're not going to torture him like we did last time where he's doing all day. <laughs> yeah. We want to add, uh, last year we had a bunch of people that requested to DJ. So if you want to DJ, yeah, if you or want to DJ or something, please reach, reach out. out. We have somebody know. else that. Oh no! Yeah, but um, I don't know if they're gonna be able to to make it, but we'll see. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, if you're interested in performing, um, in any way, for the most part, like you know, we're we'll still DJ. working on Crypto Bear. It doesn't look good though, right? I do not think so. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Okay. But um, yeah, for those out there that you know, are DJs or any other type of performance, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what <Music> though. <laughs> Please reach out. We had some that. good ones. Last we had time. really good ones. That's what I'm saying. These are all random people what, what, that we've never met. What was his met. name? Uh, the one that did the quantum uh, talk on a quantum. Oh well, uh, Adam Corbo. He Adam played, Corbo. Yeah, he was like, <laughs> that was that uh, was awesome. Intense. <laughs> he did a great, great job. We didn't he even reach out to him this year. Maybe we should we should reach out. Yeah, to him. we should. Uh, the but yeah, anybody that wants to present or participate in any way, please email us. Monerotopia at protonmail.com. Yeah, if you're interested in being a speaker, speaker. Um, sponsor, media partner, or vendor, whatever floats your boat, please reach out and, uh, you know, we'll jump on a call and we'll chat about this because the yep. more the merrier. We want more people to be involved and it's all coming together. You'll see, you'll see a lot more. I know it's Mexico City, so some people are like, oh, maybe not, but like it's an awesome city. It's a cool experience. So why not? <laughs> and we'll oh we'll list the hotels we haven't listed them on there. We're no, create a we were section just for that. To talk I to them. Promise I think... we'll do that this week. Yeah. You'll see the hotels up there this week. But for the yeah, um, not sure if we'll, we'll have any luck like blocking anything. But at least you'll be yeah, aware of like really who. Understand that yeah, concept. I don't. Know. Yeah, I don't think they do. But you know, for the most part, you'll have you know options to reserve some rooms or you know. Yeah, there's plenty of hotel options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, we're just gonna give you a few options so you're not lost and then you can take it from there. But these hotels are pretty like close, like walking distance from the venue, so you know, you just have to like walk on over, not take like a bus or something (laughs) (laughs) or anything. But and uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think that's really it. Yeah. Oh no, actually one other thing. We're adding we're adding the fifth. So Cinco de Mayo. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh so we're officially adding it as a conference day. So it'll be all day the sixth, all day the seventh. Um talks from morning to, to night essentially. Uh but on the fifth we're gonna have like a welcome party the evening of the fifth, which will probably start around six PM. So that will be the kickoff to the conference. Not sure if it will happen at the venue or somewhere nearby. 
uh, but it'll be where, you know, we could like have a little cocktail party. People that are coming into town can hang, start to hang out, start to chill. I mean, the whole idea is for people to be able to chill all weekend long. So we're going to add all that. All weekend long. <laughs> and there'll be also when you can, you know, get your registration for the conference so you don't have to wait in line the next morning. You know, people can just walk in. Uh, so we'll officially add that to the site. So the fifth. So if you're planning on coming, please show up in time for the fifth, which we figured people would be showing up. The fifth yeah. I would have, I mean, starts, we're showing up the fourth. The conference so. starts early on the, on the, uh, but yeah, the we're going to do like a check in. And then again, throwing it out there. Anyone that wants to help, please reach out because we need helping hands during the conference. So. And before, obviously, please help us. <laughs> we need help. <laughs> it's a lot. So to, yeah, well, to welcome party on the fifth conference all day Saturday. Speaker dinner that evening for those that have VIP tickets. Saturday, yeah, and that's then, Saturday, yeah. yeah, that's Saturday, and then Sunday all day conference again. That's what we got. It's a long, long weekend, but we'll be in Mexico City hanging out with locals. <laughs> <laughs> But I guess that that's really it then, right? Let's yeah, uh, move on. That's it. Um, buy your tickets today if you haven't, because they're going to go up this weekend. So get them now, my friends. Alrighty, so let's move on to the price report. The Monerotopia price report segment is sponsored by Local Monero. Avoid using KYC exchanges. Buy and sell Monero directly for fiat, peer to peer. Aloha, body. Body. Hello. Sorry about that. No, no worries. worries. How's it I was going? like, is it us again? <laughs> It's always no, us. no, Never it's, it's me. <laughs> How's it going? You know, y'all guys were you were talking about how difficult it is and how y'all are juggling all this stuff, and you're like, you know, please forgive us. Honestly, from an outsider perspective, everything looks great. Everything looks polished. Like if y'all are having all kinds of crazy, you know, stuff in the background <laughs> that we don't see, we just don't see it. Like everything looks really nice from the front end. So just okay. just wanted to put that in your ear. Thank you. Oh, that's, that's sweet. That's Thank you. That, that, that helps a lot. We appreciate you, you lying for us. <laughs> <laughs> it's de- definitely not a lie. Y'all are saying it. And I was like, what are they talking about? Like sometimes you're a few minutes late. Oh my God. <laughs> well, sometimes our audio or like our camera, like it was giving me issues before. It's, yeah, it's I guess, my I laptop. Guess it's more behind the scenes. Yeah. It's like the laptop and the lagging yeah. and then I freak out because, you know, it's annoying, but. I mean, you know, we do, we can, but thank you. That makes me feel better. And, and, and now, and now we have nuts. Body as part of the show, I bringing know. in the, the price report. Woohoo! <laughs> you, you, you've yeah, taken it up a notch, man. You've taken it up a notch. We appreciate it. <laughs> well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. I don't know how many notches I could take it up today, though. Everything is, <laughs> everything looks lovely. You know, price is going up. Everyone's happy. Although, uh, I'll show you one thing that happened last night again. So remember the last, so last Friday, Price had taken this massive pump on, uh, you know, like at the end, after the close of business. And then in the middle of the night, like right around, I don't know, 4 or 5 a.m., they pumped the price and then it came right back down. Well, they did it again, the exact same thing uh, last night. They pumped the price up by, what is that? I guess it's only 5, 5%, but still, they kind of pumped it overnight and then dropped back down. Uh, but, uh, you know, whatever. It's, you can't really complain about gains, so... Um, we, we have this like very volatile price action and that was kind of one of the things I said a few weeks ago. You asked me if we were going to keep up with Bitcoin price. My theory was that yes, but with significant volatility, uh, because behind the scenes, you know, they'll, they'll push these like blow off tops and then they'll, they'll use that to try and uh, delay. Like, so they, I think that this, all of this right here was largely market makers, maybe Binance or whoever in the background. 
they kind of cause this big parabola and then they use that on the back end to try and push price down later. And it comes back to ultimately it comes back to even. Uh, but it creates this volatility and it kind of distracts interest and people say, oh, look, there's other coins, other shiny coins that are getting gains. Monero is just kind of like flat and not doing anything. Uh, so it's in a lot of ways, it's kind of like a psychological game, if you ask me. But the important thing is that here's our trend line. Like this is our overall trend line. And that's the one that we want to keep overall. We want to we want to keep going up uh, no matter this induced volatility to the downside. So, again, everything's still looking pretty good. Uh, except for eh, Bitcoin versus or XMR versus BTC is not as nice as we would like. Uh, let's see. Just wanted to go to the big view here before we move on from Monero US dollar. Ultimately, we're pressing up against the longer term, uh, this trend line right here. And eventually that should break. Uh, this is normally how you break trends line, trend lines, right? You'll come up, you'll take a dip, you'll come right back up to it. The S&P 500 looks kind of similar. And eventually we should break this to the upside. Um, and then we'll go over to XMR BTC. And you can see we've basically broken down from this nice trend line that we've had since uh, since last year, uh, started starting right around April. So, again, this is kind of induced volatility. This is largely the result of market makers really pushing Bitcoin. They've pushed Bitcoin significantly higher than the other coins. Uh, it's my It's my opinion that they're trying to put the chart set up in such a way that inspires confidence. There's there's a lot that goes into this, but essentially when you have a situation where things are looking bad and everyone's fearful and we have all the permables that are now saying, oh, wait, it's going to go lower. I'm, I'm ready for it to go lower. And they're even praying that it goes lower because they want to they want a DCA at a much lower price. They finally accepted that we're in a bear market, which is, again, another that's another indicator that we're probably reversing. But the point is that you need to take the negative sentiment and you need to convert that into positive sentiment. And you do that by putting a chart set up, by painting a chart set up that looks nice. And the reason they need to do that is because so much fiat has left the system that they need to get that fiat back into the crypto system. If you go to stable coins, generally speaking, that money is still sloshing around the crypto ecosystem overall. But they need to get actual fiat investment back into the crypto ecosystem because they don't, they can't just push price as far as they want forever, right? Market makers can push price. They can take temporary losses even to push that price if they need to, but ultimately they need real people and organic investment to support that price. So they have a lot of control, but they're not, uh, they're not like crypto gods. They're not, you know, they're not gods of the market. They, uh, they do depend on organic retail action and uh, it's kind of like a dance, right? You've got them kind of leading the way. You've got retail kind of following, but retail is still very important to this whole price dance. So they pushed Bitcoin significantly, which is what this is right here. Uh, it's kind of sad to see us breaking down, but I mean, come on. We're sitting here at 0.074, right? So we're sitting at 007 numbers right now, and that's not bad. If we go back, let's maybe expand the time horizon a little bit. We can see that basically 006 is it, that's basically our floor. That's really where our floor should have been until they started up the crypto fraud machine and and, and caused all this to happen down here. Uh, but that's fine. You know, let them do that. Monero continues being awesome. We continue developing. I say we, I <laughs> mean, uh, our developers, obviously, uh, those are the guys that really make everything happen. So everything is still fine. We're still sitting at levels that are reasonably OK. Um, and there's I mean, there's always still a good chance, again, that this will have volatility at some point. The crypto market will pull back. And because they're out of Monero, they can't just slam the price down continually. One thing that did happen 
Um, and that I, I wish I had maybe done a better job of saying out in, in real time was, so we saw all of this action right here where the exchanges were acquiring Monero. They, they had diverged their prices upwards. They were, they did volume up at those levels. And there was just a couple bit of these guys right here, but overall, they had acquired a, a pretty decent stack as Monero's price started to go more and more parabolic, right? As that curve up happened. And then they've, it's my guess that they've been able to use that Monero when we did that little consolidation. So for the last week has basically been consolidation for most cryptocurrencies. So the Monero that they acquired, it's my guess that they use that to create, induce this volatility, right? So they kind of push things up. They diverge their prices up that helps the Monero price. And then ultimately they dump that again back on the market and create this volatility. So, but this is good. This is, well, maybe not good, but this is better than the situation we were in at the start of the bull market uh, right here, where they actually had a significant amount of Monero still on the exchanges. And what they could do was keep meeting withdrawals while pushing the price lower and lower, because at the time it didn't seem like there was anything wrong, right? They're meeting withdrawals. You know, are they, are they fractionally reserved? We don't know. No one really knew for sure, and so they were able to push these these large price divergences. Again, that's why I don't think they're going to be able to do what they did down here. They're not going to be able to do that again. They'll they'll be able to play with it, right? They'll be able to, maybe they can push us down to 006, whatever. But overall, I I do believe that Monero is going to spend a lot of time just going sideways versus Bitcoin. Kind of like I said uh, a couple weeks ago, we could need to do some consolidation for a large part of this year, but ultimately there is a good chance this chart does break to the upside. Um, we'll see. We'll see when that happens. So recently we had some positive price divergences again. Um, so hopefully that continues. Uh, it's nice that the exchanges are keeping the doors open for Monero. That's that's good. That's important. Uh, huh. Okay. My chart seems to have frozen just a little bit. Uh, all right. Well, that's okay. We were about done with Monero anyways. Uh, let's go ahead and take a look at the overall crypto market. So if you remember a couple weeks ago, I was talking about this very big line right here uh, that started back in 2015. And I was saying that we might have a hard time getting above this line uh, in the future. That, that line might be a significant overhead resistance. We're basically sitting at that resistance right now. Uh, this would kind of tend to contradict my notion that we're going into a larger sustained bull market for this year, because I do feel like like we said a second ago, we do need price to kind of continue going up here, get into some positive territory so that we can fall back and then hold this current area as support. So it's easier to see if we go down to the smaller time frame. Okay. So this is overall the, the bear market since summer of last year. And you can kind of see that we've got this, this area right here that's uh, eventually broke down. And you can see also that area right there. It's got the dotted lines. So the idea being that this acted as a trend line for a while, and then it would act as resistance. If you want to paint a bullish setup, and I do think that the market makers and the exchanges want to paint that setup, we do need to continue breaking to the upside. We need to get to some like very obvious resistance point, like right here maybe, so that we can come down and test this area again and, Maybe a month from now or a few weeks from now could could even be it could even start next week. Right. Maybe we continue pumping through the weekend and then and then we establish some kind of support. Uh, but at any rate, we want to pump beyond the obvious area that's problematic. Maybe even break this right. Breaking breaking this area right here, this peak that happened there 
and getting into this area would really be bullish. Like that really tells people, hey, the market could actually be doing really well. Come up here, test this, establish support, and then take off. Uh, take off to where exactly? I couldn't say. I, I did notice that the, let me move this. So this U shape right here, it kind of reminded me of the 2018 of this guy right here. They kind of look similar to me, so I did a little bit of a pattern overlay called a bars overlay or a fractal. People like calling it a fractal because it sounds cool. So essentially you have to compress, you have to squishify this whole, uh, this whole fractal a little bit, but ultimately it does look very similar. And just the intuition that I have about this market and where things are at, it feels very similar to the fall of 2021 or maybe the end of summer 2021. It feels very similar to the end of the last bull market. It feels similar to the end of the 2015, 2014, 2015 bull market. That's just an intuition that I have about where things are at. It's why for this entire week I've kind of been saying, hey, it looks to me like we should go up here. Things are positive. Everyone sort of expects that we're going to fall back down. But I, I really, you know, especially um, a lot of the bears or a lot of the former bulls gone bear, it seemed like they were saying, no, you know, it's going to pull back. This is just a fake out, right? It's like, it seems like we're in the part of the cycle where people say, where people uh, doubt the rally, where people think that it's, uh, that it's not real. So to me, it is real. There really are people buying. I like, for example, if I'm a representative sample of some portion of the population, I've been buying the last few weeks. So I'm sure that there are other people out there buying as well. Uh, we have broken some important resistance lines. And again, this is Bitcoin, Bitcoin USD, right? So the very most easiest, obvious resistance line to draw was just broken as of last night. So this is good. This is exactly the kind of thing that we want to see. If we go to total market cap, you can see the exact same thing happened over here, uh, where that sort of this very upper line right there, uh, that was broken as well. And that was actually broken on the initial run out of this sort of bottom area. So these are all these are all really good signs. This is exactly the kind of thing you need to see, um, and especially with the way that crypto price tends to move, right? It'll be so often crypto crypto price can be flat, flat and boring, and then suddenly it'll just do something. Suddenly it'll just pump, and then it'll pump, it'll wait, it'll pump again, it'll wait, and then it'll pump again. Like that that just happens so often. This kind of three phase push is a very common thing. We can go over here to the Bitcoin dominance chart, and we can see you know. Again, what's been happening for the past past couple months now, especially recently. So this is also a thing that we look at. And we say the market makers, it's a pattern that they do. You have to convince the plebs that Bitcoin is ready to go. If you have a little, uh, sorry, if you have a limited amount of cash and you need to throw that somewhere, the most important place to throw it is still Bitcoin, right? If they want to spend money, they want to pump the price of Bitcoin, they want to establish that Bitcoin is good, that the chart setup is good, that it's going into another bull market. So it makes sense that they would pump the Bitcoin dominance. This is exactly what happens in the entrance to the bull market at the end of 2020. So I guess that's about all we have for crypto. Let's go take a look at some of the macro stuff. Um, maybe did I want to start there. No, let's start with the stock market. So the stock market had a we had some interesting dynamics that played into crypto price and the stock price. I was um so again, this is the same deal where you've got this long bull market, uh, sorry, bear market trend line. 
And this is exactly how you expect to break these trend lines. You hit it, you hit it again. You don't, you don't go all the way to the bottom, but instead you stop early and then you come back up again. I was kind of hoping that we would break this last week. And instead on Wednesday, some of the Fed presidents came out and they talked about, Oh, it looks like we probably need to raise the target interest rate. Probably we're going to need to go to five and a half percent instead of five percent. So everyone got scared on Wednesday and they sold and. I kind of think of it as market manipulation, to be honest, because those Fed presidents knew exactly what would happen to the market when they came out and said that they were going to probably maybe raise to five and a half percent. It does look to me like they're trying to keep the market in a range. And this is this kind of applies double for crypto. So just understand that we're talking about stocks, but this also applies to crypto as well. So down here in October. So. In August at the top of the market, I was saying, guys, this is the top where we're going to go down now. And this is this is probably like a capitulation run. Well, down here at the very bottom, the thing that was important to me is that the only thing that could stop further crashes if central banks came out and intervened. And that's exactly what they did. We talked about that back then in real time, how the central banks came out and they, for example, the Bank of England started buying bonds again. At least there was a window where they where they bought bonds. We had the United Nations that was like chastising the Federal Reserve saying, you guys are raising too fast and you're going to cause a global recession, blah, blah, blah. But at any rate, they came in, they opened their mouths, they did just enough action that put a bottom on the market, right? Put a floor down here. So now they kind of come over here to open their mouths to keep us from breaking this line, at least temporarily. So it seems to me that central banks are trying to manage price from dipping too low, having any major crashes, but they also don't want a big rally right here. And it makes sense. Inflation, a significant part of this inflation happening is because everyone had these mad gains on the stock market and everybody's rich now. People don't have to work, right? People are retired. People are professional traders now, et cetera. So they really don't want the markets getting out of hand again. And of course, they cause that and they know what they're doing. These are smart guys. They're, let's, let's be real. They, they know exactly what they're doing. But for the meantime, it seems like they don't want the markets to rally too much, but Eh, I'm not <laughs> I'm not sure how much they can do to stop it at this moment unless they just want to go nuclear. So that was Wednesday. We had this crash here. The response to the crash on Thursday, maybe we can go back to crypto charts. Uh, we can zoom in a little bit. I do want to show you a little bit. Yeah, so this right here was Wednesday. Um, was it? No, it wasn't. Here we go. This, yeah, yeah, this was Wednesday. Okay. So the markets came down on Wednesday and they closed kind of down. But the thing that kept me bullish and had me rebuying positions, so I took just a little bit of profit around this area um, on my, not on Monero. I don't trade Monero except for that, like the one time, but I'll never do that again. I promise. <laughs> so uh, I took a little bit of profit. But anyways, the thing that got me back in the market was, was watching this right here. There was a wick down. Things came and stabilized. And if we were going to fall back down, that was the time, right? That was the BART chart opportunity. Um, and if you don't know what a BART chart is, you just take BART Simpson's haircut and it goes up to the top. It's got these spiky things and then it, uh, and then it crashes back down. If we were going to BART chart our way back down to the lows, that's where it should have happened and it didn't. So that was important to me and that's what kept me bullish. And, uh, and it, it appears to have been the right move now at this point. Uh, let's go back to stocks. Okay. So what's going to happen? What I think is almost certainly going to happen is we're going to come on this line here and I don't know exactly how we break it. Maybe we come up and then we come back down and then it goes or right. Maybe it's just like some crazy jump here and then some big volatility or maybe we, we touch it and then we kind of like trend down and then eventually just do that. 
I don't, I don't know exactly how many opinions on how it breaks, but this, this line, this bear market resistance line looks very much like it's going to break. So that's good. That's good for crypto. It's good for risk. People leverage up. People put money back in the markets. If you're a trader, you need volatility. Uh, that helps you, that helps you make money, right? Um, trading is a DJ game. Most people are going to lose money. So if you're going to trade, at least for the love of God, don't trade leverage. You can know the correct direction of the market and still lose on leverage. This is the NASDAQ. Uh, so you can see again, as we talked about the other day about how to draw club lines, we've got this line right there and then we've got kind of our other line as well. It gives us a nice zone of where to expect, um, where kind of like the zone of resistance is. And that's basically where we're the area that the NASDAQ is entering. So things still looking good. Things still looking positive overall. Um, if you're, if you're a trader, if you had sold the top of the market last year and you're sitting waiting patiently in cash, my recommendation is you should be acquiring a HODL position right now. Um, you, uh, you you want a position that you're not going to be trading and selling. Maybe that would be 50% of your stack. I really recommend it should be at least 50% of your stack, maybe 70 or 80% of your stack. Is you, you don't trade it. You might reallocate it a couple times a year, right? That's kind of, that's different from trading. So you might not HODL, you know, we might come in a few months to the top or whatever it looks like the top of a nice rally. And then you might say, yeah, things look like they need to pull back here for the next months or six months or something like that. Right. That's not really trading. That's just moving your funds, getting on the right side of the market. Like, okay, we could argue about definitions or whatever, but your trading stack, you might have another position, say 10, 20, 30, or if you're a gambler, 50% of your trading stack right now. You want to be acquiring that HODL, and then you also want to be long with your trading stack. And then somewhere at the next bounce, some of the, one of these next pumps will probably say, okay, it's time to take your trading stack and sell that. Your HODL stack will still remain in the market because overall, the macro position still looks uh, looks bullish. Everything looks pretty good. Um, we'll talk about the macro, and then uh, and then that'll be it for this segment. So these are the reverse repos, and we've got the 100-day Bollinger Bands. This is a one-standard deviation Bollinger Band. And I just wanted to show, especially this chart again, in terms of the Bollinger Bands, because it's very hard uh, to use these sometimes correctly. We can look at the overall bull market here, uh, well, bull market in reverse repos, which is correlated to the bear market and risk assets. So you see we're basically riding the standard deviation, right? We're trending. This step right here, things kind of roll over and the volatility compresses again. The thing that's important here is that you came back to the standard deviation Sorry, to the uh, to the moving average, but you didn't dip all the way down into this zone right here, and you still had this guy that was still trending positively. The underside of this Bollinger Band was still trending upwards, right? So that kind of tells you that you're really just in a cool off phase for a period of time, and then you see things pressing back up against the top of this trend line, and then they just stay there. This area right here, for example would be a good spot if you're looking to get long this asset, which it's not really, that's not how this asset works, but just from a chart, pure charting perspective, you would expect that right around this area, you would start expecting that you're going to actually keep going up. Um, but then what happens here is you get the rollover of this Bollinger Band, the top flattens out, the bottom flattens out, and you kind of come back down to the lower standard deviation down there. So that's um, that's like that's important price dynamics or chart dynamics in general. So when that happens, and then you kind of you come revisit this the moving average area, when this spike happens up here, you look at that and you say no 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 that's fake that's not real the the Bollinger Bands the standard deviation the volatility has already rolled over and you're just spiking up through that range. It's kind of a it's an exhaustion wick. It's a fake out. So 
we're now starting to trend down to the underside of these bands here, and this is starting to have negative curvature to it. So this is the kind of signs that we'd be looking for that the reverse repos would now be in a little bear market, right, where they would now start coming to the bottom of this, this megaphone and then probably at some point drop down below. And again, this is correlated to institutions that have money just parked with the Federal Reserve overnight getting, I think it's like four and a quarter percent annually overall divided, you know, divided by 365 days. So this is institutional money that could get redeployed to other places risk in the market. So if if you have institutions that are buying, that's just good overall in, in terms for making gains, right? Uh, oh, bonds and interesting things. Oh, you know, before I forget, I'm going to forget if I don't say it right now. Sorry to be schizophrenic here. Um, Genesis. Did I pull that up? Uh, here we go. Genesis, which is a part of DCG. It's a wholly owned subsidiary of DCG. They filed for Chapter 11 on, I think it was either Thursday night or Friday morning, yesterday morning. So uh, the Winklevoss Gemini is owed $800 million by Barry Silbert and Genesis. And, of course, Genesis is owed money by FTX. One thing that I said back in November after the FTX collapse, I said that the moment we start seeing new bankruptcies, significant bankruptcies in cryptocurrency that don't take price down with them, that's a huge sign that we've actually reached the bottom. Well, this is a pretty significant bankruptcy. Genesis officially declaring Chapter 11. And then what happened yesterday? The price pumped anyways. So that's just that's just an important thing for us to keep in mind. Again, it's just it's all these little pieces, this piece, you know, the reverse repos, the way the charts are setting up. Genesis, Genesis declares bankruptcy, but price pumps anyways. Everything about this setup shows us that we're going into a larger rally, a significant rally, something more than what we've had for the past 12 months. So uh, that's important to keep in mind. We've got the 10-year yield, and one thing that has happened with the 10-year yield or all the government yields, the action on these has finally normalized. So this is something I realized very recently, um, and it was like I kind of knew this was happening, but I didn't have like a succinct way of encapsulating it. When yields go up, that's because people are leaving the bond market and they're going into the stock market or risk assets. When yields go down, that means people are leaving stocks and going into bonds. And, of course, the mechanism being if a bunch of people are buying bonds, as the issuer of the bond, you don't have to provide a high interest rate, right? There's all these people that want your bonds. So you can say, yeah, I'm not going to give you a good interest rate. I have 20 other people that want that want a bond, right? But if people leaving your bonds and going somewhere else, you have to be like, oh, wait, no, but I'll offer you more. I'll give you a better interest rate. That's the classic action that happens on yields. But for this bear market, the crypto and stocks bear market, what we saw was a reversal of that. And I think the mechanism is, so the reversal of that mechanism was that yields were going up and stock markets were going down at the same time, which usually that shouldn't happen. I think the mechanism was that there was so much leverage in, in stocks and crypto that as yields started to rise, that leverage has to be serviced. It's it's based on debt, right? When you take leverage, it's you're borrowing money from somebody else. And that borrowing has a, an associated percentage rate. So, as yields went up, the the interest on the leverage also continued to go up. So it meant that they couldn't keep so much leverage, they had to unwind that. And so I think that's the reason why we saw a temporary reversal of that pattern. As of at least, like, say, the last few weeks or the last month, this is finally normalizing. We're, we're starting to see this action act normally. And I've noticed that particularly as of the last week or so. Uh, so that's nice. We've got uh, – we could just take a look at the overall – 
Oh, there's my long-term yellow yellow circle. Like we kind of hit it, and then we're and then we're out. We're not. I don't know if we're going to hit that anymore. Uh, okay, but any at any rate, this is kind of the long-term look at the 10-year yield in an uptrend, but uh, things are probably flattening out here. If you remember, for the New Year's episode, we talked about we we talked about the very long-term. Ah, crap, I was in the logarithmic. I don't know. My charts switch me to logarithmic sometimes when I don't want to be. But anyways, we had talked about, um, right, this was the uh, post-World War II, World War II and post-World War II era, and um, and we're kind of like a very similar thing happened where it flattened out and then it started going up, and we're kind of going through a similar thing right now. So, I don't know, just something to keep in the back of your mind there. And gold, oh, yeah, that's right, last, last thing here. Gold is important uh, because, remember, we said that gold tends to lead, for the last two decades, gold has led, Outside, led out of bear markets and out of stagnation. So gold indeed did the kinds of action that we had expected um, out of this rising uh, rising wedge. We're sitting at some pretty important levels, right? This line, you can see the dotted line there. Anything above here, right, in this area is basically just blow off kind of stuff. Um, that's ultimate all-time high gold prices. Um, you can see, again, that the 2011, the top there, we're basically passing that exact same area right now. Gold has just barely gotten above that. So I don't know how much longer this gold run is going to last. I do just because of the momentum and because of the way it has tended to act in the past. I do imagine that it'll probably get a nice blow off here to the top and then it'll come back down. So gold reaching this area here will probably be another big sign that the stocks and everything is ready to go, um, at least on a longer term basis. Uh, and, and also gold reaching here, reaching that top area will probably be a point where you might reallocate some of your, if you're, if you hold gold, um, you might reallocate some of that into stocks and crypto. And with that, I think, I feel like I had one more chart, but maybe I don't. Oh, um, yeah, okay, yield curve inversion. Uh, sure. Uh, so we've got a full year yield curve inversion still. Down here, they've slightly almost kind of normalized, and you can see here, this is our overall yield uh, curve inversion on the bottom, and then the stair step is the Fed overnight interest rate. Um, one thing that I'm curious about, what happens? So let's go to a longer time frame. Historically, we can see that the Fed will like raise rates, and then they'll raise rates above the rest of the yield curve, and it's like... <laughs> It was just kind of, it's backwards, right? They're the shortest term yield. They should be yielding the less, uh, the least. But so we've seen here that before big crashes where the Federal Reserve actually gets outside of that bound. But like even this right here, that was a two year time frame, right? This was two years before the markets actually crashed. So if we're going to see some other big market crash, the thing I'll be looking for is if these yields all start to just dramatically do that, they just start dramatically dropping. That'll be a sign that the stocks are about to crash. And that's a very quick sign. That can happen usually like a week. You might have days to a week to get out of the market when you start seeing these major crashes. So, that, but we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So, uh, with that, I think that's pretty much everything I wanted to show you guys today. Do I have any questions? Awesome, man. Um, so, so in summary, I mean, how confident are you that the 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 bottom is in with crypto? Is, is it like eighty percent at this point? Yeah, I would say, well, at least temporarily. Um, I, yeah, I would say it's probably 80, 90% confidence right now that we have reached a temporary bottom. We're not going to go back down to those lows. If we do, it'll be like September, October, November. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. 
And then, so how, how high, I know you said it, but just to kind of summarize, how high do you think, you know, predict Bitcoin essentially to go before we see, you know, a significant pullback? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me that question. Yeah. I, uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't have a good answer. Um, so right now, before the first pullback or like overall? I guess, uh, overall. So it's, it's hard to say. I was looking at some stuff. People talk about getting back to 50,000. I don't see it. That's just so far to go. I, I don't see it. I do look at this. Sorry. I do look at this area right here. That's significant. I think that getting to those areas would induce a significant pullback. Mm-hmm. Um, I think on Twitter, I said that your take profit points should be 23. So right where we're at here, 25 and then 28. Um, those are, those are kind of like my, my trading stack take profit areas will happen at there at those areas. So far, I haven't taken any profit because the altcoins are lagging behind and I'm actually have very little Bitcoin, um, which I guess has kind of been a mistake for the past couple weeks. Um, so Bitcoin might be getting to some resistance areas, but the altcoins are kind of lagging behind. If my altcoins had kept up with Bitcoin, I would have taken some profit from them already. Um, but things still just look so positive. So at the moment, I would say let it, you know, let it ride. I think it's possible we could get to this area right here. So we could get to like 40,000, 45,000, 50,000 seems like a tall order. Um, but yes, overall, like pretty high confidence that the overall directionality is up. There's the chart has gone vertical. So it's hard to tell people buy and buy now because, you know, for all I know, we could pull back tomorrow, but things still look very positive. Awesome. Yeah, I wasn't aware um, that that exchange had filed for bankruptcy. Genesis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you I filed mostly at all? Is uh... no, I, I just know that DCG owns them. I know that they owe the Winklevoss twins, and FTX owes Genesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it is a significant bankruptcy. I don't think it's going to take DCG down. I, I think I don't like Barry Silbert so much, but I, I don't think he's lying that. Like there, I don't think it's probable that DCG is not like heavily exposed to Genesis. Legally speaking, they're probably segregated so that whatever losses happen for Genesis is separated from DCG. But if if DCG did go down, I think that'd be a significant blow to crypto, right? I think we'd see a you know another kind of like FTX type of moment. What do you think? Yeah, if if DCG and or Binance died, um, we. Everything I just said would be wrong. <laughs> We'd be back at the lows again. Yeah, so there is that to keep in mind. There, there is still systemic risk. Crypto, there's no doubt about it. Crypto has systemic risk still. Um, but is there, is it, it does look to be like rooting for DCG to go down. <laughs> that's that's what I'm rooting for. I don't. I, I guess not. I mean, overall, their death and Binance death would be good for digital freedom money. It would be yeah. good for the ratio because we've seen what happens to the ratio yeah. when all the fakery and scam coin propped, you know, support mechanisms. Once those go down, uh, we get more fairly valued. Exactly. It's a pickle. I don't know. I want my gains. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, great analysis as always. Greatly appreciated. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, hang, hang around. Hang around, yeah. And what do we got next? Uh, the news. Should we do news? Okay. Yeah, let's do the news quickly. So no Tony today. No, Tony. Thank you, Body. Appreciate Thank you, Body. it. We'll Thanks, talk. guys. Talk to you later. All righty. 
Well, I have to do my little news segment thing, so hold on. Go ahead. And now for our weekly news segment. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'll try to make this faster than than Tony's normal news, news flow. Centralized mining pools are delaying... Monero transactions confirmations by 60 seconds. This was an interesting post. Um, I believe it was, yeah, Rucknium had done a study and he uh, basically looked into the uh, mining pools and saw that there was a 60 second delay that was happening for confirmation versus P2 pool. I don't completely understand why. And when I read it, I don't think there really was a conclusion uh, as to exactly why it's happening. Uh, but clearly there's, there's something that can be done to solve this and we'd want to solve this, uh, so that essentially the network keeps up with its pace of trying to, you know, produce a block every two minutes. Uh, interesting in reading it that you, you know, you realize that P2 pool, uh, uh, you know, effectively is, is making more, more money in terms of fees because there are confirming more blocks. Uh, I think it was something equated to like 70 extra XMR in fees over the course of a year. I could be wrong in that, but it was interesting to, to see that stat. Uh, next story, Cake Wallet, the five-year journey. So uh, Vic, it looks like Vic sat down with a glass of wine or maybe, maybe some uh, all, uh, other uh, uh, substance and, uh, you know, uh, pour, poured out his heart. Happy he, uh, five years. Happy five years. Congrats, Vic. Congrats to the cake That's team awesome. and obviously yeah. to Vic. I mean, love it. Vic, uh, started, it was a one man show. Vic started this off. Uh, he goes into detail of how everything started. We spoke about it quite a bit on the show. I was actually part of, part of the story, uh, when Vic had first launched Cake Wallet on iOS. Uh, it was the first iOS Monero wallet. And I, in his posting, he had made some kind of comment that led me to believe that he was New York based. So I reached out to him. I was like, Hey man, let's, let's get a beer. You're, you know, you're the guy that created a wallet. I want to meet you. Like if I'm about to store my Monero on this thing, what better way to, to, to vet meet it the person <laughs> than to meet the guy? It, yeah. So, uh, we, we met up. We met up in, uh, Soho, we went out for so a drink, we went to a bar over there. We, we spent like a whole night. It was great. And we, uh, we've been, we've been great friends ever since. And, uh, you know, the most impressive, I've always said this, the most impressive thing about Cake Wallet and Vic, uh, is that he really grew, uh, with the community and really listened to community feedback the entire time. Yes. Like me meeting up with him, what that was community feedback. He was like, yeah, sure. Let's meet. This is like he had like literally just posted the thing and we sat and I told him what I think. Oh, you gotta, you know, you gotta make it open source. This is what, you know, Vic, Vic goes into all that. He didn't even know, like, understand the concept of open source, really, that, like, you know, that they meant, like, that the app itself would be, like, open source that anybody could come and copy it. Cause he, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't in this world. He was, um, Vic is a steel guy. He would work on tech projects, fun tech projects on the side. And this was just one of his additional fun projects on the side that obviously grew into, you know, essentially a full-time thing. But I think, yeah, what's, what's been most impressive about Cake and Vic is their ability to listen to community feedback at all times and evolve the app towards the direction of community consensus. And that's why I think they've become the strongest 
wallet in the community because uh, there's really no way to compete with that. So he's 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 not obviously you know it's it's a profitable business. Obviously, you know, it's capitalism. They're profit driven. Uh, but they're really, uh, you know, their, 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 their moral compass seems to align most with what the community desires. And it makes good business sense. Um, but not always, right? There's things he could do that probably would have been more profitable, but he decided not to do it because he wanted to, uh, stay aligned with the community values. So once again, big congrats Woo! to Vic. We're, we're always proud to, uh, you know, have you as our sponsor. We appreciate everything you've done for us as well. Yes, like, yeah, definitely. Like keeping this, sh- keeping this show going, sponsoring us, sponsoring the conferences, all that stuff. So um, we thank you. And yeah, and congrats, Vic. We love Cake Wallet. <laughs> Not surprised you made it to five years. We'll, <laughs> we'll see what the next five years brings. That's the other thing too is Vic is like, you know, he's not, he's not small minded, right? No, he's like not, he, he doesn't stop. He he's a going. man who is building an empire and we are very fortunate to have him on Team Monero. Um, next post, the human society, which I'm, uh, born, uh, oh, the humane society. So somebody posted that they're a member of the humane society. Uh, in, I think it was like San Francisco. I'm not sure. Uh, but they now accept Monero. They got, the, he got his <laughs> local humane society to accept Monero. That was cool. It was kind of funny. They also accept clam coins. So I guess clam coin. somebody I, I over at the, the humane society that's coin a clam too. coin bag holder that got the humane society to accept uh, Monero and clam coin for donations. <laughs> so. Uh, if you've been looking to unload your clam coins, now is the time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe take a, a, a tax deduction for your for your donation there for your loss. Um, uh, an incomplete guide to stealth addresses. The next story. So this is posted by uh, this is uh, what's his name from from ETH Vitalik. So this is on Vitalik's blog, and uh, he's discussing possibly adding stealth addresses to Ethereum. So talking about how you know. Uh, we need, you know, Ethereum needs to have privacy essentially built into it on the protocol level because it's, you know, trying to, not only is it trying to be money, but, you know, every people are using it for all sorts of things. So, uh, interesting to see that, you know, um, or not, I mean, obviously this is inevitable, right? So there's, there's great value in privacy. We all here in Monero know that privacy needs to be built into the protocol level. Uh, other projects are waking up to it. Will they be able to do it? I don't know. Uh, even Ethereum, it's an interesting read talking about stealth addresses as uh, ideally being something they could add and that there is a path forward, but talking about all the potential issues that it may create, it's not as straightforward. Uh, you know, it's like trying to build, build your parachute after you jumped out of the plane, uh, as opposed to Monero, which is focused on getting privacy right first on the protocol level. And then we'll start with all the other fun stuff uh, that these other projects are doing, maybe on on second levels or, or or other ways of doing it with the Monero protocol. So interesting to see those developments take place. Another story, uh, the next actually three stories are CBD related. Um, so Tanzania is cautious about adopting CBDCs. Uh, so this is an interesting article, throws out some stats. The outcome of the research at this point revealed that more than a hundred countries in the world are at different stages of CBDC adoption with 88 at the research stage, 20 at proof of concept and 13 at pilot. So, I mean, we, we talk about quite a bit on the show. I need to do a good Monero talk 
with, you know, an expert that's really following the day to day with CBDCs. I know there's actually a really good, uh, link out there that shows, um, the current CBDC development around the world and, and stat. Uh, we'd love to get that guy who created that website on. We could talk about it. It's, it's, uh, you know, all around the world. It's happening. It's happening in tandem. Countries are at different stages. Some companies are taking steps forward. Some countries are taking steps back, realizing it may not be, you know, time for them. Tanzania appears to be one of those countries that's kind of taking a step backwards, uh, in terms of CBDC development, uh, in that, uh, Basically, they're saying uh, cautious and risk-based approach. I guess it, they just feel that it's too risky for them at this time to move forward. So interesting development in the CBDC world. Um, CBDCs, next article, CBDC is not worth the cost and risks as former BOE advisor. So similar so similar story, uh, but coming from somewhere else. Central banks worldwide are pushing forward with digital asset projects despite the various crypto industry implosions of the past 12 months. China has rolled out its central bank digital currency to several cities and made it available for use at the Winter Olympics. Many other central banks, including the Bank of England, are considering how to roll out a CBDC, while Nigeria's CBDC has had poor uptake so far. India has already launched a pilot scheme, while Mexico has confirmed the launch of the digital peso. However, Tony Yates, former senior advisor of the Bank of England, advises against CBDCs in a recently published opinion piece of the Financial Times. According to Yates, the huge undertaking of digital currencies is not worth the costs and risks. So this is interesting. So we're starting to see uh, this dynamic uh, play out where, you know, uh, it's becoming political, right? Uh, there's people chiming in. Some people are saying we need to proceed with CBDCs faster. Some are saying we got to put on the brakes. Uh, some countries, you know, uh, running out ahead. Other countries kind of pacing themselves, seeing what, what goes wrong first before they proceed. And so it's, it's all very exciting. I mean, what we do know is CBDCs are coming. They are 100% coming in some form, you know, uh, they're already launched, uh, you know, in some countries, not to any great success, really. I think kind of maybe the biggest news so far in CBDCs was that the launch in Nigeria uh, was, quote unquote, you know, kind of a, a failed launch is my understanding. I mean, I, I guess it's still very new. Um, but we, you know, it wasn't what I guess people feared, right? Is that overnight everybody would start using these things. But I think it's way too soon to claim that that's not going to be the case. Uh, we know how governments work. They, they boil frogs, right? They slowly turn up the heat. Uh, and they have all the resources and all the time in the world to do so. Uh, so that's the way these things are going to happen in slow, moderate steps as they ratchet things up and then never ratchet them back down. Uh, and, uh, so Nigeria, maybe at the get go, it wasn't strong adoption, but who knows, you know, maybe in a year from now, it's going to be like, uh, you know, if you want to get your, your tax return dollars from the Nigerian government, you're going to have, you're going to receive it in CBDC form. So little things like that, governments are going to use to slowly onboard everybody. Uh, and the next, the next story is also CBDC related. The digital dollar project urges U.S. to take action on CBDC development. So this is, uh, you know, home in the, in the U.S. The digital dollar project is actually interesting. So it's, it's, you know, it's not, uh, government, it's not a government run project. It's privately financed. Uh, I'd like to maybe do a story on this as well. I'm not sure who's behind it. 
I think Ripple might even be kind of involved in partially funding this. There's also the Hamilton Project, which is, I think, being run by MIT and uh, the bank in Boston, um, the U.S. Treasury Bank in Boston. But, uh, you know, that that is a government-funded project. Digital Dollar Project is is privately funded, and they're obviously pushing towards CBDCs. And so they're, you know, doing this study, and then I guess they're going to use their influence to try to get the government to slowly push towards CBDCs. And I guess they have their, you know, their their reasons as to why they're they're pushing in this direction. So follow the money, uh, look to see who's behind the digital dollar project, who's funding it, and you could probably figure out uh, what they have to gain from uh, creating a central bank digital currency here in the U.S. Once again, I think it is inevitable uh, in the U.S. I don't know, maybe here it might take longer than 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 others because of the 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 way the government works here. It's a democratic republic. It is it's hard to push things through. Although sometimes it's, things do happen overnight. Right when we get these. These, uh, you know, red flag event, you know, when COVID happens and the next thing you know, they print the trillion dollars overnight. Everybody shows up at Congress and they don't, they don't bat an eye and they're all willing to, uh, print endless money. So, uh, who knows? Maybe we see some event like that, right? Where overnight there's a, a kind of an emergency need to, uh, create the U.S. digital dollar CBDC. Uh, and then bam, there it is. Uh, but yeah, digital dollars project and one of them, they're, they're pushing, they're pushing ahead. They're forging ahead. Last. Story of the day, which was going to be the theme of the show, but we haven't really mentioned it, so we'll mention it now, is uh, Hal, fin- Hal Finney's tweet from January 21st, 2009. What? So this was shortly after Bitcoin was created. This was, a, I believe, a week or 10 days after Hal Finney first tweeted that he's running the Bitcoin client. So that's obviously the most famous tweet, right? Is it, you know, it was the first time anybody had even mentioned that they were running the Bitcoin client. Hal Finney, as far as we know, as our understanding is he was the first one other than Satoshi, unless he is Satoshi, to have been running the client. And he, you know, received the first Bitcoin transaction from Satoshi. And no sooner than a week or I think 10 days later, he tweeted this, looking at ways to add more anonymity to Bitcoin. So here in Monero land, uh, we don't necessarily celebrate Hal Finney's first tweet, although it, it is uh, obviously it's a beautiful, great thing when he tweeted that running Bitcoin. Uh, but we're celebrating uh, this tweet where he tweets about the, the need for adding anonymity to Bitcoin. So, you know, Hal Finney was most certainly a cypherpunk. I interviewed uh, one of the BSV guys the other day. Oh, and yeah. I was surprised by his answer that he said, no, Satoshi was most certainly not a cypherpunk. Well, Hal Finney most certainly was the first user of Bitcoin, one of the first guys developing and moving Bitcoin forward. Hal Finney was, uh, he worked on the PGP project as well. Um, we had Zimmerman at Narotopia last year, which was amazing. I didn't reach out to him this year. Maybe I'll try him again, but I know like it, it, it would be tough for him probably to get to get to Mexico. But yeah, Hal Finney was 100% a cypherpunk uh, to the core, and he wanted Bitcoin to have privacy and anonymity built into it. And so, you know, there's rumors that maybe he worked on CryptoNote, whatever. Uh, I have no idea if that's true. Uh, but thank you, Hal Finney. Appl- applause okay, to you. Don't put it too loud because then people get deaf. Much, and... much applause to you. Uh, if, if you're not Satoshi, maybe you're Nicholas Van Saber. 
And that concludes and that, the news for the week. What? Very nice. I guess let's uh move on to our guest segment now. You let's ready? do it. Are you ready? Are I'm you ready? ready. All right, let's do this. The Monerotopia guest segment is sponsored by Cake Wallet. Store, send, receive, and exchange your Monero and Bitcoin safely on iOS and Android too. Cake Wallet is open source, and you always control your own keys. Hello, hello. What's going on, man? Oh, wait, you're muted. There you go. Can you there hear you. me now? Yep, there you can go. Hear you. How's it How's going? How's it going? How's everything? Good, good, good. Long time, long time. I know, long time no see, right? <laughs> <laughs> How's everything going? Great, great. Thanks, uh, thanks for the invitation. Happy to be here at Monerotopia. And, uh, yeah, literally we'd met like two years ago in, in yeah. Acapulco, in an Acapulco. So great to be here now. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. We, I know. we kept the relationship, right? We had, we had such a, a meaningful day that day down at the beach, right? We were, we were really chilling. Yeah. It was a fun we're, time we're on the beach. Out. Yeah. Really fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, we had it. Yeah, and we, we spoke about that day. I think we were all a little, a little tipsy, but we're like, oh, yeah, we got to get Monero going in Mexico City. Like, maybe we could come down and we could do a meetup. And, yeah, and we were, like, saying, talking about doing it combined, uh, combined with Decred. You could you could go ahead and explain that, how you're involved in the Decred project. But now we're actually thinking of uh, moving forward with, with that concept and maybe, you know, working with you towards getting the Decred community involved in Monerotopia in, in some fashion and uh, getting the local, just the local crypto community in Mexico City involved. So, uh, yeah, excited to yeah. Uh, move forward. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think, um, I mean, just, just a bit of an intro about myself. I've, I've been working in this space for like uh, over five years now. And when I actually, when I met you, I was like uh, working like uh, on, on a proposal for, for Decred uh, here in Mexico and in Latin America. Um, and since then, I've been like very close to the community, like, you know, like uh, looking into what is happening. And um, and yeah, I, I'm also following very close to uh, to Monero and what the Monero community is doing. So when you reach out, I was like, oh, great. This is, this is a great opportunity because, you know, Decred also has like a very... Um, privacy uh focus so i think there is a an, int- an interesting match uh with the monero community so yeah it's, it's great to be here decred was always one of the like, kind of the respected projects you know it's like it kind of fell into that that category of projects that like btc maxis were okay with you know like from back right <laughs> like like there was you know uh monero Decred, Ethereum, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe Litecoin, right? They saw it as, all right, you know, it's kind of like an OG project. When Decred started, it was very interesting. Uh, I haven't followed it at all, but my understanding was what they were really focusing on was trying to solve the, the governance problem, right? And so how to, how to, uh, implement governance within your protocol so that the, the protocol and the community can move forward and, you know, evolve the protocol, but at the, at the will of, of the people. Um, is that, am I correct in saying that? And yeah, if you yeah. want to explain, well, like what is, what is Decred in its current implementation and, and compared to what it kind of started off as? Of course. So, I mean, uh, the Decred developers, uh, they were, they were, uh, working on Bitcoin back in the day. They actually made an implementation of Bitcoin written in Go. So the, the Bitcoin core is written in, in C++. And they build this implementation on, on Go as a way to decentralize the, the, the way that Bitcoin work in, ter- in terms of having different clients in different languages, right? 
Um, so that experience that, that was called BTCD suite. And actually that, uh, that work, uh, has helped a lot on other projects, for example, the Lightning Network. Um, so th- these were like very OG developers on Bitcoin. And then they kind of start thinking, okay, so ca- how can we make decisions on a protocol level in a decentralized fashion? Right. And this is the whole idea of governance. How do we take decisions over a network? That in the case of Bitcoin, it's a very informal governance process in which if there is a conflict, some people will make a fork and people will decide to choose either one or the other chain. Um, in the case of Decred, like they, they were thinking about, okay, how can we make this decision-making process without having to fork the network, without having to create another uh, network, right? another another chain? Um, and this is the whole idea of governance. How do we take, how do we make decisions? So Decred is a, a hybrid blockchain. It has a, a proof of, a proof of work uh, component and a proof of stake component that allows for, on the one hand, to have the security of proof of work and on the other to have the ability to, to have this decision making process using proof of stake. So this is like the whole idea. And over time, it has been very interesting to see how this governance process takes place and how the community takes decision on things that could be, for example, sponsoring an event, uh, or that, that could be like an off-chain decision of, and then on-chain decisions on changing the actual protocol. And then the other interesting thing about Decred is that 10% of every block rewards goes into a treasury. And this treasury allows the project to fund itself. Um, so it's a very interesting way to, for a project to, you know, be sustainable over the long run. And then, so the, the, the protocol itself, you know, you said obviously Decred community is interested in privacy. Do they have privacy solutions already implemented into the protocol and kind of what's, what's their roadmap with privacy, with regards to privacy? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I mean, it, it is a different approach to privacy because it is not, uh, a, 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 let's say a protocol level privacy in a way that, for example, Monero w- would work. But rather, it uses the proof of stake component of the network to create a way to enhance privacy um, of the people that use this big pool of, of, of proof of stake. So ba- basically, the pool of proof of stakes becomes a way for users to anonymize um, their, 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 their usage. And this is something that I really like, you know, like uh, uh, people at Decred is, is they know that this these technologies must be private in order to fully function in the future. Um, so I think it's a, it's an interesting approach because it's a, it's different, but at the end of the day, it's it's another way to approaching privacy. Awesome. What what are some of the? Can you like give us a little more detail on like some of the things they use to implement privacy? Like what what are the? Yeah, of course. So so basically, uh, uh, the the, the decret. A wallet. It's called the Crediton. It uh, it has uh, its own like privacy model inside the wallet. Mm. So at any given point, you can use this this mixing process in order to gain privacy in while using Decred. Um, yeah. So it's already implemented. This was implemented back in 2020, if I if I don't recall bad that. Um, and since then, it's something that is, is constantly used because it's built 
on the proof of stake component of the network. So it's a very interesting approach because uh, I, I think one of the the benefits is that it 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 maintains the transparency of the ledger in a way that can be audited, mm-hmm. but it adds this privacy this privacy ledger for users to engage with the network. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. How active would you say Decred is these days in terms of development? Is it is it is it is it still chugging along? Is it uh, obviously bear market, right? Everybody, uh, you know, slow down. But is is Decred still have you know uh, a core team that's actively working on it? Yeah, yeah, and and this is something like, um, as I mentioned, there is a treasury. Every ten like ten percent of every block reward goes into this treasury. And then the, the project can utilize these funds through its governance layer, um, for, and for development. And, and, you know, Decred is a, it's a, it's a very engineer, uh, how do you say, like, a, it's a, the, the gang of Decred, they're like, they're engineers, you know, they're, they're built all the time. So even though, there, the, the, the bear market, it has been rough and, and well, this, and I remember the, the last one, um, development always continues. So that's something that I, I think it's, it's key, you know, in a, in a environment where there's so much volatility and these market cycles that could lead to a project to fail, having this, uh, sustainable source of, of, uh, of funds allows the project to keep on building. And this is something that has happened over the past year. Um, the, the project integrated into the Lightning Network. Recently, they launched um, uh, what's called Bison Relay, which is a, how do you say, like a decentralized social network in which users uh, keep their information. And this works on, on a mesh network. It's like very interesting project. Uh, and, and yeah, so developers at Decred continue, build, continue building all the time. So th- this is something that I, I think is... It's super valuable in, in, in this space because at the end of the day, if, if you're not building tech, what are you doing, right? 100%. You're ossifying, which in Bitcoin, they think that's a good thing, right? <laughs> the other day, I, re- I read a comment that said that Bitcoin ossified too early. And I, I was thinking about it like, hmm. Yeah, it's like, it's like, I, I used to always say that, right? Yeah, it's, it's like clay, right? Like you, you, you want it to ossify, but not too early because then you, you, you can't mold it anymore, right? You, know, I mean, you may not be finished molding yeah. it. Correct. So you know, you break the head right off the... <laughs> <laughs> where, where, um, so, you know, Monero Topia is going to be two days. First day is going to be mainly Monero focused. So we'll have like the Monero devs there talking about Monero. And then, yeah, the second day... We wanted to get other projects uh, involved, so we have we have Zano, we have Firo. Um, we're ta- who else we're talking to? We're-, we're in the talks with people. <laughs> <laughs> session, which is Oxen. It's Oxen, yeah. Oh, that's super cool. Coming. I like Session. Um, who else? Who else? There's a few. There's a few. And then obviously we have, we have we have Decred. So yeah, so that's so anybody listening, so that should be cool. So on the second day, you know, we want to hear from these other projects. What do you think Decred would want to give a talk on? Would it be something privacy related or even the, the, the governance thing, like like what you guys have learned so far? I mean, because these these are problems that all cryptos face. Monero too, right? Monero doesn't have a dev tax. Monero is really 
very similar to Bitcoin in its in its approach, right? It's that kind of uh, volunteer base. You know, there's funds that are that are people can raise funds for the community, but it's not it's not very official. It's not tied into the protocol in any way. That'd be interesting to hear, kind of like lessons learned or ideas that that Monero might want to consider for improving its its governance, uh, but also yeah, privacy. What what do you think uh, Decred might want to talk about at the conference? Yeah, I think these two subjects are going to be of of, of uh, interest for the audience. On the one hand, to under to make uh, and this is something that I've done before at, at Decred Talks, just to kind of uh, compare how does different governance approaches uh, work on different blockchains. So how does the governance layer on Bitcoin work, or or Ethereum, or Monero, or Decred, and how these these different uh, approaches change the way the the users uh, take decisions over the network. So I think this is a, it's it's a very interesting uh, uh, concept, and and something that you know people not all not all the time realize about the importance of governance because at the end if we're owners of these networks how do we take decisions over them right and on the other hand i think it's going to be very interesting to to learn about the different approaches to privacy um i have a really interesting uh you know um presentation about the different approaches from bitcoin uh, coin joins to to monero still addresses to uh to decred that it, it doesn't have a privacy uh, mechanism in the protocol, but rather on the network. Um, so I think it's it, it would be interesting to to kind of uh, understand these different approaches and the trade-offs that comes with them. Um, I think people, it's really curious to learn more about how to enhance privacy from a user perspective, and also, you know, how, how does does these networks work from from that point of view as well. Yeah, you know, as we, Monerotopia year one, we, we started to like do it from year one. When we first threw the conference, had some other pro, we had, uh, Haven involved a little bit. We had Thor and, you know, we were a little Divi reluctant. <laughs> oh, well, Divi Chain is not a, a crypto, but, yeah, uh, but, um, you know, we were a little, we were a little reluctant because we didn't want to piss off the core Monero community, right? But at the same time, you know, Monero is different. It's not like Bitcoin. It's not like only 21 million, super maxi, everything else is a shitcoin, right? And so, uh, I mean, me personally, I think most people that found, that's how they found Monero, right? Like they were Bitcoiners and they were open-minded enough to like put Bitcoin on the side and start to look at Monero. So it's like in Monero's core to kind of be open-minded and constantly studying, you know, other tech. And so we really wanted to this year embrace that more. And so I, I think, I, you know, I was a little reluctant, but now it's coming together. I just can't really picture it any other way. Like I'm so like, obviously I love Monero, but it's, ex it's exciting to, to have these other projects there and talking and I could already competition. <laughs> picture, no, I could already just picture the conversations that are going to be taking place. Right. Like, so we'll have, you know, people that are, are, are we'll interested in hardcore working on decred, talking to the Monero people like that. Who knows what's going to come out of that. Right. Like, so the Bitcoin community, I feel like really shot themselves in the foot by being so maxi that they've cut out all this competition and you know that's that's how things grow, right? Like to to cut out all that that mind share and all that all the, these people that are really eager and interested, essentially in the same exact thing. They're just as eager as you are. They're trying to build crypto. They're trying to build digital cash. They just are working on some other form of it. And and then to to just like 
cast them away because they're not working on your particular protocol is really silly because the world of people that are truly interested in this on a deep level, like me and you, like we're willing to wake up on a Saturday morning and talk about it and actually understand it. I'm not talking about Joe Schmo who just, you know, dumps a thousand dollars and wishing it turns into 10. But I'm talking about the people that really are interested in the tech and, you know, what it's all about and what's trying to achieve. It's a small percentage of, of the, of the population, right? So to then take that small percentage of population and, chop it up and be like, oh no, we only want big, like, it's silly. So I'm glad, I'm glad you're, you're on board and you're, you're helping us, you know, br bridge the divide here and get, get these other projects involved. I'm looking at my list. So yeah, we have, we have Xano, we have Firo, Oxen, we're, I'm pretty sure we're, we're going to come to, uh, an agreement with them. They're very interested. Um, we have Particle. And then we're trying to get Aztec from, from Ethereum. That's like their, their private, their main privacy solution is my understanding. I don't know much about it. We're trying to get, uh, reps from them to come over and then Decred. And then we also have the NIM project, uh, and then some, maybe some others, but it's, it's coming together. We're definitely excited to have you. I think we should also mention too, you know, one of the things we're going to be doing with you is you're, you're low. You live in Mexico City or you live outside of yeah. Where you're in I'm based in Mexico City. Right. Correct. So, yeah, one of the things we're talking about, too, is that you'll be able to help us get the local crypto community from Mexico City and Mexico in general to attend uh, Monerotopia. Yeah, if you want to just uh, kind of dive into that, kind of give people your insights there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just just a thought in, in regards to uh, maximalism and, and and different tech stacks. My 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 th my thinking is that these networks are like islands. And over time, there are going to be bridges between them. I think the future is interoperable, you know, and these networks are going to talk to each other and there's no way to, to, to avoid that, right? So thinking that only one of these assets could live long term. Yeah, I found it silly. I, th I think over time, these networks are going to talk to each other. And, you know, an interesting approach from Decred and, and a conversation that I, I look forward for, I know there's technical complexities there, but Decred built a, a decentralized exchange, a DEX, right? And it's completely open source. Uh, there's no fee. There's no gatekeepers. Um, and this is built, basically built for the community of users. And now, um, first it got, it was only decred to Bitcoin, then Litecoin. Now is, uh, they're working on the integration towards Ethereum and ERC20 tokens. Um, and I think, you know, Monero, it's, it's kind of a, a natural uh, match there. I think there's some technical issues there. There is, um, the way that Monero is built, it's, it's complex to integrate into these decks. But I think over time, these technologies are pointing, pointing towards that nth, you know, uh, uh, an nth in which they all talk to each other. Who's, who's um, working on that from, uh, is it, is it the Decred core devs that are building that? Who's, okay. Yeah. 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 The, the, no, so do you, do you think they might attend the conference as well? Some like, so like from the Decred team, who do you suspect, uh, might show up? Mm, I, I am not sure. Uh, I'll be, I'll be spamming them with messages about, uh, <laughs> for them to come to Mexico. That would be super cool. Um, so I am not sure who, who might come. Uh, the, the Decred devs are like spread all over, uh, right. the world, like mainly US, Canada, Europe. Um, so I'm not sure about it, but that will be super amazing for them to come. And, and in regards to the event and, and what I, you know, what I want is to, yeah, spread the word about Monero in Mexico. I, I realize that there are people that are, uh, privacy, 
minded and they are looking into ways for, for enhance their privacy and to learn more about different approaches to privacy. So I think there is definitely going to be a crowd that is, uh, very focused on how to, and, uh, and to learn. And then there's going to be an audience as well that is going to be curious about, uh, you know, Monero is one of those OG coins in the space, um, that people, might see them, might see it, but they don't necessarily know more about it. So I think it's going to agree. It's going to be a great opportunity for the community to learn. Um, and as I mentioned, uh, the, the Mexican community is super bright, vibrant. Um, we had like back last year, back in November, there were weeks in which we would have, uh, five, six meetups over the week, like one on Tuesday, two on Wednesday, three on Thursday, one on Friday, and all related to cryptocurrency. So I think the community is very eager to learn more and to participate. And, um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be really cool to, to help you guys to, to spread the word here in Mexico and, and to get the community around, uh, these privacy issues. Yeah, anybody that's listening that could help get the word out to the Latin American crypto community, please reach out to us, uh, Monerotopia Proton Mail. We created, the, yeah, so, uh, from, you know, when talking with you yesterday, we came up with the idea of creating a, you know, just a greatly reduced rate ticket. So we made it, set it at 25, 25 bucks, basically like 500 pesos, made it super cheap. We don't want to make it free because I think we want a little bit of a barrier of entry just so like pe people have skin in the game, right? So it's like, you know, anybody should be able to find $25, right, to, to come. But we made it super cheap. So like there's no barrier in terms of they can't afford it. Uh, and yeah, so that, that ticket is really meant, it's meant for people that are, that are local to the community, um, as our way of to encourage them to attend. And, you know, you know, maybe the, the dollar doesn't, you know, doesn't go as far in Mexico, right? Uh, people maybe earn a little bit less over there, whatever it may be. So we try to make it as affordable as possible. Um, but yeah, any ideas on how we can get that out there? Um, like what, uh, what avenues can we use to notify people that are into crypto that are in Mexico? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, 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 um, over the past years, I, I've got, I've got involved in like a, a ton of groups. So this is going to be a, like a mission, like a very, um, you know, close, close thing mission in which I basically am going to be invite everyone I know here in Mexico. So that's going to be exciting. But you know, to be honest, like the other day I, I shared with you, I made a poll on Twitter and like 90 people respond about it. You know, like people is, is mindful about privacy people. And you know, I think Bitcoin privacy is not, is not price in. I don't think people realize that Bitcoin is transparent and the, the day that they realize that it's absolutely transparent, they're going to have a different perspective towards privacy. So I think this is something that people is still realizing like, Oh, wait a minute. Can they see everything I do? Can they see my funds and my transactions? And this is something that I talk about in my talks and, and people realize about it. So there's definitely people that is looking to learn, uh, how does privacy relates to crypto? Um, and also, you know, I, I, I've, uh, I've had this, uh, uh, you know, a big network of, of professionals that are working on the space. And, um, as I mentioned before, you know, Monero is one of those coins that is like, people respect Monero, you know, people know that Monero is like, um, it's, it's, a, it's a serious deal, you know? So I think there's a lot of respect towards the, 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 the Monero community and, and people is going to be very interesting to, to learn more. So really excited about it. 
What would you say is kind of like what like what's the local culture like in terms of what their natural view would be of a quote unquote privacy coin versus something like Bitcoin when they do realize like is it you know because some some cultures you know they they would hear that and they wouldn't necessarily care right like so like if you're 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 in China right they're like oh whatever we we trust our government we love that they surveil us they're creating a more efficient society but like in, in Mexico like you know what would the average average person there think about the idea that you know we might be moving towards a world where you know cash you know dinero physical dinero no longer exists everybody's using some digital form uh perhaps controlled by the government in the form of a cbdc or perhaps it's bitcoin which uh, is transparent would the average person there be like oh no they could surveil our transactions or would they be like yeah whatever you know it's it's good it will help prevent crime the government can more perfectly tax citizens like what 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 do you see as being like the average Mexicans take on that? Well, according to the poll that I made, <laughs> so 89% of people uh, responded that, yes, they, they care about privacy and crypto. Uh, like 4%, they say like, no, I don't care. Um, and then like 5% like say like, yeah, I don't, I don't care really. No. Whatever, I don't really care. Yeah, whatever. So, I mean, we, we can say that one out of 10 people don't care about privacy because why would you care? And the, 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 privacy is one of those things that, unfortunately, we care usually when it's too late. You know, once you get your identity stolen and somebody bought something on the internet, it's like, oh, I should care of my, I should take care of my details and my and my private details, right? Um, but I think is it's one of those things that people is starting to, people realize and ev people eventually realize about. How does privacy affect their usage of cryptocurrencies? And once they realize, there's no turning back, right? They're like, okay, now I realize about this. What can I do about it? How does this work? So I think um, more and more people is is uh, realizing of the importance of privacy. And, in, and specifically in this space, that is fundamental, that these networks, they should, they must be private in order to, to work uh as as digital cash so but i think it's a learning process and people take take time to to realize about this and and uh you know having monerotopia in mexico city is definitely going to be a, a an event that i i hope i expect for people to 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 make conscious about their relations to privacy once they learn more about the the privacy approach of of monero and about like their 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 trust in the state Right. So, you know, uh, like what, like COVID, for example, like what was the, the, re the average Joe's reaction to, to COVID when they were, you know, issuing the mandates, whatever, everybody has to stay home. Uh, I, I don't even know. Did they, did they require people to get vax for, for some of their jobs for like working in public service and stuff? I don't know. But I mean, like, what, were people kind of up in arms about that or was it like, uh, you know, society before the individual uh we're all on board whatever big government tells us what 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 is the kind of the, the I, I think in mexico um people were were very um people were trusting the decisions from the government and and they were expecting the government to solve uh on a massive scale 
um, I mean, COVID was, it's, it's a very particular case, right? Uh, I think it was like the first time that society find itself on this pandemic situation, this pandemic scenario. Um, so people were really like, okay, I'm going to do as I'm, as I'm, as I'm told, right? Um, overall here in Mexico, I think society, it's, um, there is, there is some, you know, doubts about the government, any government, any party, any politician, there's always doubts about like, what is, what are they doing and how do they doing it? Right. Um, and I think, uh, more as, as you go out of, outside of cities, people tend to be more, um, how do you say autonomous, you know, in their relationship to government, the, the more you, you, you get away from cities, people tend to have uh, more autonomy. Um, however, you know, I think it's one of those things that we need to be critical about, about government, about this decision. So in the same way, having this approach to, to, to privacy and how does privacy work? I think it's, it's important. Um, overall, I think the the majority of people, uh, agree with what the government says. Uh, but there's always, you know, these critiques about like, Hey, really, are you doing this? Like, are you doing the correct thing or not? Um, yeah. So it, it's a different, it's a, it's a tough one because the pandemic was like rough. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to learn. Maybe, maybe we could have somebody give a talk down there too on that. Right. Just like, I'm trying to understand the lo the local cu culture, uh, and how overall they, they, they might view something like Monero, right? If it were to be adopted on, on the grand scale, which I'm constantly trying to understand that everywhere, right? I'm trying to understand even in the United States. Like obviously me personally, I think it, it perfectly aligns with my, my philosophies, free speech money. Uh, I'm essentially a libertarian at heart. I think it aligns very, very much aligns with libertarian values. Uh, but yeah, constantly trying to discover that and see where, where people are at. Uh, Elian, thank you so much, man. You want, do you have time to, uh, jump into the actual just Twitter chat and we'll just end it there and see if anybody wants to like chime in? Yeah, for sure. All right, cool. Awesome. So yeah, that, that concludes this portion the video of the show. Sure. <laughs> we'll, we'll jump Usually our transition is a little wacky, but <laughs> thank, thank you so much, man. Thank we'll you. see you over in the Twitter in chat. Spaces, yeah. Definitely. Just see you in Twitter. See right, you thanks for the invitation, guys. Talk to you soon. Yeah, All right, cheers. Awesome. We'll be in touch. All right. For those Bye. of you uh, on uh, StreamYard, hold on one second. It's the Viewers on Stage segment. It's that time where we invite you, the viewers, up on stage to comment on anything you've heard so far today, ask the guest a question, or maybe talk about one of the news topics. Come on down. Go ahead. Anybody else that wants to uh, jump in and, and chat a little bit, come on up. Lip, go ahead, man. What's going on? Oh, hey, hey, what's up? What's going on? Can you hear me? Yep, we got you. Oh, perfect. Shoot, uh, I, I'm not in a hurry to go first, but uh, I've been looking at the charts and everything. I'm kind of like a chart expert, so I could get to that when y'all ready to. But I like how y'all was talking about that exchange thing, because all these private coins, was, what, what really gives them... Good utility is long as they can be traded against Bitcoin when Bitcoin goes down in value. And even like Cake Wallet, how you could trade the Monero for any asset when you want. So that's the that's the instant liquidity that we want. And you was just talking to somebody that were uh, I, I kinda hopped in a little late, so 
but you, the person you was talking to, he was talking about, I guess, an exchange kind of built into like a wallet where you could swap these private coins. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in that, but uh, I could wait to talk. Um, I think that was what Elion was talking about, right? The exchange okay. that that Decred is building. Yeah, I mean that that might that might be. Uh, so Decred uh, is is building a decentralized exchange that allowed you to exchange uh, coins without having to uh, give your the custody of your funds. And this is completely open source. Um, so it's a different way to build products because they're really gaining money out of it, nor nor you know. Uh, yeah, anything from users. It's, it's just technology open source that it is built for people to use. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, there are more coins added to it. Uh, at the beginning it was only Bitcoin, then Litecoin, and now they're working on, um, ETH and ERC20 tokens. And as I mentioned, like, there was conversations about integrating Monero, but there's some technicalities, like, the, that are, make it difficult. But, uh, but I think over time this is, this is the future, you know, like uh, solution products that allowed you to exchange on a decentralized fashion while preserving um, privacy. Um, you know, I, I think this is the, the way that is going to, you know, keep on building over time. Um, but still, you know, I think there's this like learning curve for people to learn how to use these tools. So there's still that. All right. Can I ask you a question? Uh, so this is the question I got. Uh, I just started looking into Darrow. I'm just looking into a lot of different things. And the reason why I bring up Darrow is it, it got something called Homo, Map, Homo something graph. And how I'm looking at it, it looked like a crypto where I could build an exchange on top of that. So if I was looking at Decred and I, and I looked at the source code, if I'm a developer, is it possible that I could build this Decred wallet on top of Darrow? This is a good question. I, I don't know specifically from a technical perspective, but uh, the way that these tools are built, uh, being open source, it would allow for you to do that. Like basically, you can fork the entire code and you can build that from from the ground up uh, with with different with changes. Um, so theoretically, yeah, that could that could definitely happen in I practice. I think in practice there's like technicalities, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, dare to 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 answer because I'm I'm, I'm not I'm not a technical person though. <laughs> fair enough, no fair enough. That was a good response. I see more people jumping into the room. Uh, we just finished the uh, Monerotopia show. Anybody that wants to, this is you know where we allow people to just kind of jump up and interact. So anybody that wants to speak, just uh, go ahead and request. We have Elion from Decred. We're talking about how Decred is going to be. One of the projects actually that's participating in Monerotopia, despite the name Monerotopia, we are having other projects that will be present at the conference. First day is going to be solely Monero focused, and then second day we're going to, we're going to be uh, having talks for, from some of the other respected projects in the crypto community, uh, primarily talking about what their privacy solutions are. But yeah, anybody that uh, wants to jump up and talk, uh, please request. Yeah, uh, I don't have much more to say. Elian, is there anything else you want to close out with? I don't know if anybody uh, really has much more to say right now. I mean, I got to ask you more about the decred. So I have done the thing a little late. So from a developer's perspective, can you like, like kind of try to go into detail of what can you uh, build on the code or what what can it be used used for? I'm sorry if I'm making you reiterate that. 
No, no worries about it. No worries about it. So, I mean, from a, from a developer perspective, I would say uh, Decred um, aligns more with the way that Bitcoin is made in a way that uh, you cannot build um, smart contracts in the way that you could build them on Ethereum. Um, so this, and, and this is a perspective of, um, you know, Decred developers are, look the way that you could build an oath. And the easier for you to build an oath, it's the, the kind of the easier for the network to be decentralized. The harder for users to build an oath for themselves, the, the easiest is for, uh, take over for massive actors, corporations, or states that are the only ones that, uh, can, um, make notes for the network, right? So from that perspective, Decred is, it's, uh, you could think about it in, in a way that, um, you know, the, the functionalities of smart contracts are, are, are limited. You cannot build like NFTs and like, uh, all these things. Um, but rather there is an approach towards how does the, the, the tech stack of Decred can be utilized for other things. And just as an example, um, there is one of the components of the tech stack called timestamps. And this is basically, a, a, a tool that allowed you to make timestamps anchor it to the, to the Decred blockchain. Um, and in this way, you can have a proof of existence, a proof of time that something has, uh, a, a hashing you know, a hashing, uh, a hash on the, on the network. Um, and, and this kind of tools in the same way, for example, the privacy tool, you can use that to create something because everything is open source. All the, all the code at Decred is open source. So anyone can audit it or, or, or fork it or modify it. Um, but from a developer's per perspective, I would say that it's a project that is really focused on building, um, yeah, like digital cash. They're not thinking about like, um, yeah, as I mentioned, NFTs, for example. But there's something interesting, which is the DAO. So Decred works as a DAO. There is a treasury. 10% of every block re of, of every block reward goes into this treasury and allows the projects to, to keep on building in a sustainable way. Um, so this component of, of being a DAO, I think over time, it's, it's, it might have other utilities or other, other use cases. Um, but I, I would say it's, it's still limited from a, from a developer perspective. Right, well, can I ask you a question then? That's very, very useful. I'm, I'm glad how you broke down the DAO part. So this is what I've been looking into. I, I looked at the XRP ledger, but I don't like how the, 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 the regular people that want the private ledger, they can't get into that unless they are credited investors. So that kind of defeats the purpose of decentralized for everybody. So with Decred, let's say I want to make a note on this, and now I want to issue different assets. Like let's say I want to issue gold, or let's say I even want to issue the Iraqi dinar. That that for uh, Iraqi dinar, I think I get a thousand Iraqi dinars for one American dollar. But anyway, let's say I wanted to issue even stuff like that. You're telling me I could issue that on my own note on on Decred. And how does the fungibility part go? I guess is the real question. So first, um, you you, I I don't think you could build assets like other assets. Um, I'm thinking about, for example, you know, uh, you know, I don't know if you you've heard about Heaven, this privacy project, and that you can have like. 
uh, they have like, uh, you know, X USD and X, uh, different coins and X golds and, and different assets. I don't yeah, I think. They, they 100% up right now to this day. I'll bring that up later. But they're 100% up right now compared to Bitcoin. But go ahead. Yeah, I mean, just just an example. I, 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 I just as an example of the assets that you can build on top, right? I, I am not sure you could build other assets on top of, um, on top of Decred. This is something that I am not sure you can do it. Um, but you can. No, I, I am not. I'm not sure here. Huh? It's something that I, I would need to ask because I don't think you can build other assets. Um, and what was the other question you mentioned? I'm sorry, I only brought it up because you said the DAO. Oh, yeah, and, and in regards to the DAO, I mean, you could actually, like, take that that piece of tech, the way that the DAO is work, uh, it's made, and you can make your own. That could be possible. Um, okay. But but over time, I am, and this is something, this was a conversation that was, like, I remember back then, a few years back, that, that the devs were thinking about how can people fork basically the DAO structure and utilize it for their own um, for their own benefit. Um, but it's something that I'm, I am not sure how it's going to look in the future because you know I, I once thought like yeah everybody's going to have a DAO in the future. Now I'm not sure. You know I think I, I think it's it's limited to certain characteristics that make it uh, worthwhile. For example, the fact that you can employ anyone anywhere in the world that has access to the internet, regardless of the country that they're in. And this allows for a higher degree of coordination. Um, but I don't think over time everybody's going to have a DAO. So now I'm, I'm dubious about that, but, um, but yeah. William, what would you say Decred has kind of learned along the way in terms of uh, governance? Has there been anything that really hasn't panned out as anticipated where, you know, pivots were made, changes were done to improve how governance takes place? Or is, it, is the Decred essentially the same as it was when it started? Um, and this is an interesting question because there was a, a massive change that happened on the proto- at the protocol level. Uh, I think it was last year in which the community decided to change the percentage of uh, block rewards going to uh, proof-of-work miners and uh, proof-of-stake stakers. So this was a, a, a big change at the protocol level that it was only possible because there was a, a formal governance process for people to make the, the proposal and decide over the proposal. Um, in regards to, to this decision process, uh, like once I heard like, oh yeah, this is more democratic. And I wouldn't say it's more democratic because it's not like one person has one vote, but rather it, it, in relation to your economic weight on the network is your voting power that happens on the network. And this is something that happens for people to, uh, to have skin in the game. And because theoretically what, what, you know, the theory tells us is that they are going to have, they're going to make the best decisions because they have an interest on the network. They have a skin in the game, right? Um, so I think it, it's something that has happened. You know, these changes on the network and, and it's, it has happened a, a few times already. Uh, and I think that the interesting part is to see it in action because yeah, it basically allows you to change the code, um, in a secure fashion. So. I think over time, it's uh, one of the characteristics. The characteristics of Decred is adaptability. 
So I think it's it's definitely going to look different in a few years from now. Would be also to potentially interesting to potentially have you guys on a uh, like a proof of work versus proof of stake panel because uh, that was one of the things we were thinking of doing, uh, especially because of the, the guy from Zano. Uh, is really interested in proof of stake. Um, so maybe that's something you guys might be interested in participating into at Monerotopia. Yeah, definitely. And I think the, the Decred approach is interesting because it's a, it's a hybrid blockchain. So it, it's kind of a, it takes the best of both worlds in a way that it, it, it brings the security that proof of work can bring to the table. But on the other hand, the, uh, the flexibility, I would say, that allows you proof of stake, um, in which people can, can participate in a, in, in a different fashion. Even if you don't have the, the hardware to, to mine, if you have a stake, you can participate. So I think the, the, this hybrid appro- approach, it's, uh, it's very interesting. And I, I don't, I don't think there's many of this, uh, on the space, on the, on, on the industry. Very interesting. Any, anybody else want to jump up and ask a question? Or bring up any other topic? Anybody? You asking me to look at some charts about Monero? <laughs> uh, yeah, you can quickly point out. To, I mean, we, we had Body looking at the charts, but yeah, if you want to quickly uh, state some things, go ahead. Yeah, I'll make it quick. I got a few screenshots just to get everybody up to date with what's going on. All right, uh, well, let's start with, uh, let's start with Monero. So I was trying to fathom the top of Monero, and I think it keep going up, but it depends on how people are with privacy and are they realizing privacy is important. Can you hear me so far? Yep, we got you. Okay, just making sure I'm still there. Okay. So Monero topped out about $181. And uh, and what's that about? Uh, I'm looking at a 24-hour period, but let's look at a three-month period. Okay, let's go to three-month period. I'm pulling it up. All right, so in a three-month period, Monero clocked out around 175, so I'll say that's kind of like around the support. Now, it's 23% up in the whole month. Now, if I go to Pirate Chain, which is its competitor, it's only 9% up. So I say Pirate, you probably could keep buying it until like 50 cents. We'll see. And now when we go to Bitcoin, you know, the market maker, the Dow of all cryptos, it's at 19% up in three months. So Bitcoin can drop, it can go up. Now, when we bring up Haven that had all these problems, it was around like 40 cents when I was telling you about it, Doug. It was about 40 cents. Right now, it's about 82 cents. It's 170% up in this three-month period. Now, what I think Haven got going for it is it's literally kind of just like Monero, but you could have private dollars in your thing. So let's say you want some private dollars if you want to de-risk. And then you could buy gold and you could buy different currencies. So we'll see how they do with their peg and is it going to stay stable or whatever. But I'd say those are two competitions that we're looking at right now in the three-month period. All right, yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah, I mean, I would, you know, uh, warn anybody that's interested in, hate, you know, like to – to belittle that 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 issue of the algorithmic stablecoin as to whether or not they've solved it. I mean that that is the issue, right? So it, it's yet to be proven that it works. In theory, sounds great. 
Uh, and you know, I'd just be careful with looking at numbers, right? So it doubled, it doubled in essentially, I guess, market cap is what you're saying, but you know, it had a very small market cap. So it's very easy to, to double or pump a coin that doesn't have, uh, much, much use or network effect. So I'd just be wary of that, right? right? So like, you know, no, looking, always, looking at coins like Haven and Pirate and then trying to compare the pumps. Sure. I mean, maybe, maybe you can catch it, but you don't want to be the guy that's, left holding the bag uh so you know i just like to warn people that are you know looking at these things not everybody is as savvy as you so people uh might look at the numbers and be like oh wow i could i could i could double my money really really quickly if i just buy a small cap coin like haven or maybe they don't even understand the you know the differences in 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 the caps so i i I would warn people against uh playing with those things unless uh they know what they're doing yeah, I'm glad you clarified. Let me say this for the record. Me, me or Doug are not licensed financial, so you should do your own <laughs> research at your own diligence. But I say this then, uh, I say try to, if you're thinking about hopping in, try to buy the bottom so you won't get a big green ditto. So I say that bottom of Haven, sad to say it is probably about like 22 cents to 40 cents. So I say around that region, you might be safe. And then I say the bottom of Monero, Ranges from a hundred dollars to a hundred and seventy-five right now. So, in that range, you might be safe. So, that's just my advice. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Always appreciate your comments, Body. What's going on, man? I just wanted to echo, reiterate what you had said about being careful with the small cap coins. There's um, there's definitely something to be said for this strategy that uh, that Lip is talking about. Um, to get involved in some of these very low-cap, brand-new projects. In fact, when big bull markets like the 2021 uh, and 2020 bull market happen, those low-cap coins can do 100x. Sometimes they can do 1,000, uh, give you 1,000x. So there is something to be said for that. The only thing that I would that I would recommend is people be careful and only allocate some very small percentage of your stack to these very small cap new coins. And typically you want to try and grab a few of them, right? Um, Cause you don't necessarily know which one is going to perform the most and you don't know which one of these might just collapse or be a rug pull, right? Cause it's totally, a lot of times it's new technology, it's experimental. So, um, so yeah, I mean, uh, definitely go for it. Like find some of those things that seem like they might be interested Put a little bit of money in there, and if you get a hundred x, like let's suppose you put a thousand dollars, then maybe that's more than a little bit for some people. But let's suppose you have a total of a hundred thousand that you're investing, right? A thousand dollars would just be one percent of your of your total net worth. So you might put five hundred, a thousand dollars into one of these small cap coins, and if you get a hundred x, that's a big deal. Um, but then, generally speaking, you want to keep the bulk of your funds uh, in stuff that's kind of more stable, more proven, a little bit lower risk. So just my, my two cents there. Ooh, let me say this real quick on that part. So the reason why I bring up Iraqi Denario is look at it the same way he just said with what could happen. Now, President Trump said that we have about, I think about, look at the video on YouTube or search it up, do your own research. But Trump said we have about billions, about 35 billion American worth of their money. So that means we have trillions of their money. So what happens is when these countries get revalued in gold, each central bank that has the most gold, their currency is going to go up. So I keep on begging Haven to try to list this Iraqi dinar, but they're having a lot of problems with their code, but they're fixing it. So I see what they do and how the Haven move, but I'm kind of liking them, and I'm liking them. Good stuff, man. Robbie, what's going on? 
Yeah, I was, um, I'm kind of the complete opposite of um, what you guys were saying. I've got a rule with crypto, and it's a very, very strict rule, and it's very simple. <clears throat> I don't buy it unless I'm going to use it. Um, and because of that, uh, I've only ever bought three cryptocurrencies. I've, I've bought Monero, I bought Bitcoin, and this is a weird one that probably none of you have heard of unless you've seen me tweet about it. And that's uh, WaxP, which is like an NFT um, coin that's like a fork of another coin. Um, but I only really use that so I can play games. I don't use it so I can make all this mad money. It's, they've got some interesting games. They've got some interesting collectibles. Uh, and that's why I use it. Um, I like that because it keeps, but it's to everyone's risk tolerance. But to me, I've never ever uh, seen crypto as an investment. And when I have seen crypto as an investment, I've seen it as an investing in the hardware. So I used to sell, um, I used to work for an IT wholesaler, uh, mostly just cold calling, um, but I sold uh, GPUs to uh, people who built uh, mining rigs and then resold them. Uh, the only time I've ever made a speculative purchase was on a bunch of uh, GPUs. Um, that was right before everything crashed, so you can imagine how that went. Um, what I spent £9,000 on, I got um, 4000 back on reselling it. Uh, and that, that was enough for me. Do you know what I mean? I, that, that was me going, you know what? That 5000 I spent was on research. Do you know what I mean? I paid that for the experience of learning how to mine. And apart from that, I, you know, I'll, 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 you know, I'll just mine on my personal PC. I won't take any risks with crypto because, you know, I don't have the time or the, the mental capacity or, or the build for, you know, looking into these coins, speculating, looking on stuff. I remember when the whole thing with Morgan Paul was coming out, um, right after CoffeeZilla's first video, I was like, oh, it'd be a good idea to buy a bunch of zoo tokens and then buy like a bunch of eggs. And that, that would have been a wise thing to do because if you bought that, you would have been eligible for the refund and, you know, the, the, the whole um, market dipped right after CoffeeZilla's video. I didn't do that because I've had the same sort of idea about other coins and I've been totally wrong. So um, my rule for myself, now do whatever you want and for people who can make lots of money for it, from it, more power to you. But for me and the advice for other people who don't really know what they're doing, just buy what you use and, you know, the price goes up, brilliant. You know, uh, the price of Monero went up recently. I was really happy about that. Um, but that's not why I have Monero. Do I mean one Monero equals one Monero? Um, I feel like a lot of people in our community know that, but a lot of people in other communities say, who say they care about, the, you know, the crypto punk sort of uh, society, they don't really care. doing Because then they start talking about the fiat price. And now, yes, we talk about the fiat price, but I think that's, more to prove market adoption rather than, oh, look how much money I'm going to get. Like, we're all going to make it. Everyone gets a Lambo. You know, we're not that. Um, but, yeah, that, that's that's my point of view. Great. Can I ask you a, a question about that? That was a good point. Uh, how I look at it, uh, shoot, uh, with, with the mining thing, uh, so if we're all setting up nodes on all these private coins, right, if we have the the software, then that means we could get a share of these coins without have to spend it, spend our hard earned money on it. So I, that that kind of got my attention. Like, let's say you run a Monero node, let's say you run a Pirate node, let's say you run a Haven node. Now you could get these currencies and a little portion of it, and you don't have to work or spend your hard earned money on it. 
I think that's a real good way to get in. That's a really good point. Uh, now, I live in the UK where electricity and gas is tremendously expensive. It's currently minus uh, three degrees Celsius here, and we have our heating off uh, because our uh, our fuel bills are really expensive. Yes, if you're in America, yes, if you have access to you know uh, cheap uh, renewable electricity, go for it. If you live in Russia, by all means. Um, but for a lot of people, they're going to be spending more on electricity than they are going to be uh, earning on crypto. What I would say, though, is um, 80% of all crypto I've ever had has either came from me mining it or someone sending it to me on Twitter. I have bought exactly £50 worth of Monero uh, on local Monero with Fiat. All my other crypto has um, came from mining or you know transactions with people. Uh, and I've sold exactly 40 euros worth of Monero, which sounds really odd, but I was in Ireland. Uh, and that was because we were on a stag do and I needed some uh, fiat to buy some drinks. So um, for me, I'm trying my best to integrate myself into that uh, that networking kind of, you know, you spend this and you use it. You don't sell it unless you really need to. More than likely, though, at the end of this month, I'm selling all my Monero, but that's because... Um, you know, we've got bills to pay. Do you know what I mean? Milk's doubled in price and I've got two toddlers. Um, but in general, that, that's my rule, you know, you, so I agree with you, you know, you earn it, you earn it by either mining it or, you know, doing work for people in Monero and then you use it, you know, you buy, you know, just a suggestion here, maybe some coffee, right? Maybe, I don't know if anyone sells coffee for Monero, but if they do, you know, I'd imagine that would be a good idea. Um, or, you know, if not coffee, you know, there's always XMR listings online. Here they sell some things for Monero, but I, I don't know. Great advice, Robbie, man. I, I totally agree. Uh, you know, get some if you need to use it. Uh, if you want to play in the crypto casino to try to get more, sure. But just realize it's a casino. Um, you know, the the most unfortunate outcome is like you're here early, you understand the tech, you found Monero, you 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 know why it's probably going to be worth a lot more in the future than it is now, uh, and then you end up not having that much Monero as you hoped in the future because you tried to gamble along the way to to collect more. Uh, so just just be wary of that. You don't want to be in that position, right? Where you were early, you saw things. Uh, you knew you, you you had a good idea how things were going to play out. You understood the tech, but then at a greed, you tried to uh, you know gain more by gambling as opposed to slowly accumulating, um, and you know just uh, waiting for you know your time to harvest in the future. I you know that's not saying don't go gamble. You can go gamble, have fun, and you could do it in, in smart ways like 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 you know body and I, you lip. It sounds like you, you keep an eye on it. But, um, you know, obviously, with great reward comes great risk. You can also gamble directly in Monero, um, uh, which is the only way I've ever gambled with it. But there's a, I forget the name of the site, but it's the one where you bet on the last digit of, like, block, and you can gamble your Monero. I've lost, um, well, actually, I haven't lost that much. I think I'm break-even, but still, uh, that's, that's also a good way to gamble uh, without getting out of Monero, which is good. Can I ask you something, Robbie? Uh, this is what I want to ask. Uh, 
because I'm looking into that, and I understand what you're saying about how everything's going up, even, like, the price of eggs. Because I'm kind of, like, in the D.C. rate area with uh, this whole SEC stuff. And uh, we go to the grocery store, and it's about, like, damn nearly $12 for a carton of eggs. But this one I want to ask you, I guess. So now if a, if a person is thinking about opening up a business, is it worth it? Let's say they get some Tesla solar panels, and let's say the solar panel system they want to get, they get no more than, I think, what is it, 75 kilowatt hours? Is 75, is, is, no, 17, I'm sorry. Is 17 kilowatt hours enough to be profitable in the mining part if somebody want to put that much money into it? So right now, GPU mining has uh, dropped uh, massively in profitability, especially when you consider um, it with, um, what you call it, um, you know, it just with the, like in fiat, right? The profitability fiat-wise has dropped, but also the profitability um, with um, crypto-wise has dropped as well with, with the amount of crypto that you get from it. Uh, the reason is is because obviously uh, Ethereum's moved to proof of stake, so all the big ones have kind of left, so you're left with uh, GPU mining. GPU mining is much, much harder to build in the sense of building a rig with um, multiple GPU, uh, CPU mining, sorry, with multiple CPUs, it's a lot harder. You don't really get a lot of rigs that uh, are standard consumer um, motherboards that allow you to connect multiple um, CPUs. There are, you know, you could always buy like a server rack and then get some Xeons in there and all of that. I don't know how good they are on the Monero algorithm though. Um, <clears throat> but um, in regards to getting solar panels, they're always going to pay dividends. Doing, if you get that on your house, one, you're opting out from the, the standard sort of grid. Now you need to set up where you're actually um, self-sufficient. There's a lot of solar panel systems where You'll get it all set up, but um, if the grid goes down, you can't actually access the power from your solar panels. And a lot of people in Texas found that out the hard way uh, last year, I believe. Um, so you've got to be careful with the way you set it up. But uh, a good way to use, so my my friend, um, um, my friend sells like shipping containers worth of um like mining rigs to farmers and because they'll have like a big windmill and the way they market it to farmers because farmers know nothing about crypto they're saying you're selling this uh for 30 pence per kilowatt back to the grid instead of selling that electricity back to the grid for this you're basically using crypto to sell your electricity and you're getting a pound per xyz so they're making more than what they'd be by selling it back to the grid I wouldn't say invest in renewables just for crypto, but it is a good way to kind of, um, it almost works as like a battery. If, if the excess you, you collect in crypto, then you can spend that to buy back electricity from the grid if you really wanted to. So it kind of not, it, it works as like a pseudo battery, if that makes sense. I realize I didn't really explain that too well, but hopefully you understand where I'm coming from. So this is what I'm asking Robbie and Doug then. And I, I think you probably get some good insight on that then, Rob. All right, so uh, the thing I was looking at is uh, this whole configuration with the Tesla thing I was saying was they're giving you four power walls, and then they're giving you, I think, like a lot of solar panels. So all together, they wanted, I think, about like about 40 grand for this configuration. And it generates 17 
kilowatt hours per day. So I'm asking if I bought a whole bunch of CPU units and mine cryptos like we were just talking about that don't need a whole bunch of, I guess, power because they're CPU. If I buy the right software, would that be profitable? And should I, you know, probably turn it into a business and all that? Or what would your opinion be on if somebody spent, I guess, 40 grand to have 17,000, no, 1,700 kilowatt hours per day with four Tesla battery walls? So I don't 100% know because uh, the like how much crypto you'd be making per kilowatt hour one it changes so even an expert probably wouldn't be able to give you a good answer but uh, my experience is directly just mining at home with four thirty uh, seventies and oh sorry three thirty seventies I should say and you know selling the GPUs involved I didn't really uh, deal with like the other end of things so I wouldn't be the person to answer that what I would say though is obviously if you own your home. And you're putting on, um, you're putting on uh, solar panels. Obviously, that's boosting the value of your home. You're not paying for electricity anymore. So I'd look at it as crypto secondary. Don't put, you could, 40 grand's a lot of money, man. Don't put that money into, um, into it just for the crypto. I think uh, someone else wants to talk. They might be able to give you a better answer. Thanks. Evan, go ahead. Hi, guys. Um, well, um, I'm actually myself mining Monero, uh, along with some other cryptos on GPUs. Uh, so I can definitely say you will not make a profit on Monero mining, uh, unless you have absolutely free power. Um, the only reason I do it personally is to help the network. I do have the processing power, let's just say. I do have about 10 or 12 computers, let's just say, in the office. Uh, they're not always doing something um, for the office. So during those idle times, let's just say, I have just set up every single computer to run the miner, leave it running. If I have something to do, uh, uh, for the office, then it automatically stops, and it works fine. Uh, of course, I accumulate the coins. It's been uh, about uh, more than two years I'm doing this, and honestly, I have no idea how much I have, because I, I don't really care how much I made from it, let's just say. Um and uh, I can definitely say that the power you pay versus the coins you get, definitely you mine out of pocket, uh, especially for prices like UK, which my prices are very, very similar to UK prices. It's, it's uh, a real pain. But if you like the uh, the network, if you like the coin, you do it out of pocket. Uh, now about the solar stuff, it's not really worth it. Either GPU mining or CPU mining is, is a very tough game to play. Um, definitely 
you don't want to go with the Tesla power wall and the Tesla solar, solar panels and all this kind of stuff. That's going to be a really, really big uh, hole in your pocket at the end of the day. And um, definitely you want to do your your own package if you're going to go that route. You're going to have to do some research. You You want to find solar panels you uh you chose instead of everything being chosen for you and you know stamping a, a fancy sticker there that says x brand whatever so you have to do the work they just say you can get it for much much cheaper but it's not a viable solution to have it um for mining alone. Now, if you're going to do that, in order to offset your power cost and also consider it as an investment, let's just say, for your uh, house or your office, you know, something, uh, in a time that you decide to sell it, that could, let's just say, in theory, uh, give some profits, I don't know, it could help, let's just say. Uh, but if you do it just for mining and uh, expect to get crazy gains because you mine for free, let's just say, uh, that's, that's not a game you want to play. I've studied the whole thing for about two and a half years, and I still do because, you know, my brain doesn't stop. It's just thinking constantly about things. Uh, and every single time I found, I find that it's not a viable solution to this. You just want extremely cheap power and run everything from there. That's what you want. Evan, thank you so much, man. Great, great advice. Lip, there you go, man. Uh, Hearing it from the horse's mouth, so to speak, he actually has been, been trying to make money doing this. It's not as easy as it sounds. It's something you definitely want to run the run the numbers, do some investigation. But most likely, uh, you're probably going to be better off allocating that money into crypto as opposed to trying to mine and make your money through mining by buying the, the hardware and things like that. It's going to be really hard to uh, to make it more profitable than just allocating that capital into crypto. Thanks for the advice, Doug. I really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, my my advice isn't to go buy forty thousand dollars worth of crypto, though. You know, so go 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 do your own research. Um, and uh, I appreciate uh, all your questions, though, man. Oh, you're always bringing uh, great content to this room. I appreciate it. Guys, I think I'm going to uh, wrap this up. I got my – I need to get more ice for my ankle over here. It's been a great show. Baldy, thank you so much. Lip, thanks for jumping in here. Robbie, greatly appreciate it. Evan, thank you. Uh, Decred guy left, but thanks to him. Uh, we'll see them down at Monerotopia. Anybody that wants to attend Monerotopia, I put the link in the nest, monerotopia.com. It's $89 for, or it's going to go up to $99 for a general admission ticket, $199 for VIP, which includes a speaker dinner 
And then we added a $25 ticket for people that are local to Latin America, Mexico, that want to come out because we want to encourage getting people to attend the conference, learn about privacy tech, learn about Monero, get excited about it. So we want to make the conference as accessible as possible. You can email me at monerotopia at protonmail.com if you want to participate in any other way, if you want to be a speaker, if you want to come down and present something, uh, if you want to be a vendor, you want to come sell something. Obviously, it's got to be digital cash related, Monero related, but we'd be more than happy to work with you. Or, you know, for some reason you can't afford to come, but you want to try to figure it out, email me. You try to figure out how to, how to help you make that happen. Uh, yeah, we want this to be as accessible to all for people that anybody that's, that, that are interested in these concepts. Uh, thanks again, everybody. We'll see you next week, same time, 11 a.m. Saturday, Monerotopia. Peace. Thank you for joining us on this week's Monerotopia episode. We stream live shows every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern. You can find and subscribe to our show on YouTube and Odyssey, or listen to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter or join us in the Monerotopia Telegram group. See you all next week.